you lot. You listen to Garage Hammer. Episode 264. Tonight's episode. The Manling gets together and talks about the end of enlightenment. A book that's full of nothing but elves and undead things. And then more elves. And I don't know which I want to see get destroyed more. It's just, uh, it's just shut it. I'm listening to me show. Welcome to the garage, you tools, for the next two, two and a half hours. I hope to keep you informed, entertained, and maybe have a few laughs along the way. Bringing you the toolbox and the grognard and the end of enlightenment. I'm David Whitek, and with me at always, as always in the beginning of the show is my... Good friend in the show mascot, Lindsay, the albino Canadian hockey puck. Say hi, Lindsay. So, um, all right, let's jump in here. Um, before we get into anything, of course, you got to thank the sponsors. That includes Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Chaos Orc Superstore. Six Squared Studios for all your basing needs and MDF needs. And if you have uh, permission to... Uh, use a 3D print program. They'll print it for you and then mail it to you because that's what they do now. It's kind of awesome. Uh, that's Six Squared Studios. And, of course, Grognard Games because there's always something happening at Grognards. That's right, Grognard Games, folks. Uh, later on in the show, we will have uh, a short uh not really an interview, just a discussion with the owner of Grognard Games and what's going on at Grognard Games. That's going to be later in today's show. Um, also want to thank all of our Patreon sponsors, that part of that almost 1% of the listeners who make this, make this show and everything we do on it possible. That includes our associate producer, uh, tripping over my words, associate, uh, shut it, Lindsay, you're distracting me. Associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie, and Big Jake. Our executive producer, Colin Miller, and our newest patrons, Cody McCullough, Iron Bug Bear, and Nicholas Janikowski. Now, I don't know if he says Janikowski or Yanikowski, but I'm going to throw out both there so that way I got a better chance of getting it right. And a special thanks, thanks to Derek Zimmerman, who um, I don't know what's happened recently, but he decided... Uh, to jump up a little bit, get up to that next level uh, of patronage. And thank you so much to new patrons, old patrons, past patrons, and people considering becoming patrons in the future. Thank you all for what you do uh, for this show. Now, um, we do have voicemail today. We have a couple of voicemails. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play some voicemails because that's what I do when I get them. I love voicemails. We're going to do this right now. We have three. This first one... I believe it's from Robert. So I'm going to turn this up, and uh, here we go. Yeah, this is Robert Elmer. Like most of everyone, this last year I've only really been doing hobby stuff, more with Team Yankee than AOS. But one of the things I'm looking forward to when it's safe and the tournaments come back to is the reunions we all have with everyone. There'll be very emotional reunions as we see friends we haven't seen in a year and a half, two years, depending on when this all clears up. And it's going to be very emotional for all of us, and it's going to be very heartwarming. And it's going to be a really beautiful moment when we finally start seeing each other again. And I think that's 
a bright spot I'm looking forward to, and I hope everyone else out there is too. There you go. I think most of us share that sentiment. Robert, thank you very much uh, for the call and for the message. And we go to our next voicemail, and that's Stephen from Colorado. Hey, guys. It's Stephen from Colorado. Just listening to the Stephen, latest sorry. Uh, episode on Broken Realms. Listening to uh, Dave read that segment between Lady Olinder and uh, Bellacore, and she refers to him as, I think, uh, creature of and he disappears into an umbral portal of some kind. And it just got me thinking, hmm, they're building him big baddie, but, you know, all of this reference to Shadow just makes me think Melkin slash Malarian. And maybe, you know, they will bring him, you know, just wild speculation, what if they bring him out as a counter to Bellacore if they're setting Bellacore up, you know, with all these references to Shadow. So anyway, that's my wild speculation for the Sunday morning. You guys have a good one. Uh, great show as always. Thanks. Well, thank you, Stefan. And uh, um, I would not mind seeing them come out. Who knows? Maybe they're the silent people because they're quiet and in the shadows. That would be awesome. I'm probably wrong, but what do I know? Um, I always thought Bellacor, like was did a lot of shadowy stuff, so I thought that was a part of his thing already. Um, but any excuse to bring Malarian and the elves of Ulgu into the game. Uh, I am I will take any excuse. Like it doesn't even have to be a good one. It could be like, you know, there was fighting between all these people over here and then uh there was these all of a sudden these Ulgu elves who were just next door getting pizza and this fight spilled into the pizza place and then they were now they're in the game. That's all that's all I need. That's all I need because I just want them to be here. Um not that I can start another army but boy howdy i want to see what those models look like and i want to read that book so bad so that's just me uh that's just my opinion but uh I, i'm not i don't know that it will be uh you know malekith or uh i'm sorry malarian uh as set up against him um but if that's the excuse that brings him in i'm all the happier so okay last uh Last voicemail, this one is from Billy. Just one moment. Dave, it's your Patreon supporter, Billy Scheitz. Thank you for uh, dealing with the name or whatever. I'd apologize, but things are what things are. Anyway, I've been listening for a while, and I, I just figured I wanted to come here and voice some of my concerns. I finished collecting an army right before Broken Realms Techless came out. And, uh, yeah, it was Legions in the Gash. And, yeah, it uses the Lords of Sacrament. And, uh, I guess I have none of that. I'm stuck in, uh, second edition forever. So, I just want to know what you guys think, uh, is going to happen to Archon, because he's my baby. But, anywho, keep up the good work. Peace. Thank you for the call, Billy. And um, okay, to my knowledge, and you know what? What do I know? We we've we've established very well on this show that I say the wrong things. But I'm under the impression that you could bring Legions of Nagash to the table, like, and still play 
that book. I think. Um, I don't know if you have to go with the newer points for the newer models that are like if you go with the newer newest War Scrolls. Um, but I think that's still as long as there's points in the GHB or there's they're listed. I think they're legal. Um, it it is. It's always frustrating when you pick an army and you finish it, and then they go through a huge shift. I get that. Um, now the Legions of Nagash book has been out for a long time, um, and I know people look at this and it feels like the Legions of Nagash book was replaced, you know, and that this is basically the new version, especially the way the story goes. But I, I still think it's legal. I don't know for certain because, again, I don't know things. But I have a feeling that you could play. And, I mean, I don't know. Uh, uh, Bill, I don't know if you're, like, big tournament player or if you're, uh, you know, um, playing with your friends at home. Honestly, if you're playing with your friends at home and they won't let you play your Legion of the Gosh army because, you know, and, and if they that's an issue between that's that you got to take that up with your friends. But personally, I would be cool with you playing them. So, you know, we'll see what happens when third edition comes out. Uh, hopefully you can still play it. I know a lot of people like Archon and they don't want to just go play Bone Reapers. Um, me personally, it, it doesn't impact me as much. I just want to play lots of zombies. But I totally get where you're coming from. I totally get where you're coming from. So hopefully you can still play it. But I'm not 100% certain. So uh, that's everything, guys. That's voicemail. And if you, by the way, we jumped right into voicemail. And I, you might, this might be the first time you're listening to Garage Hammer. And you're like, what is this voicemail he has? And then how do I call into the voicemail line and leave a wonderful message like these previous wonderful messages were? And then I would say to you, if you wanted to leave a voicemail, you could call 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. That's right. That's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. I'll say it one more time. It's 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. Most international callers dial 00. And then 1-757-GH-SHOW-6. And you too can leave a voicemail. And then I play the voicemail. And that's what I do. So, um, yeah. All right. So here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back. And... Um, now, before we go, we're going to take this break. Um, uh, we're going to uh, – one of the breaks today, like I said, is going to be instead of the regular Grognards commercial, uh, I'm going to have Todd on. That's later. But uh, we're going to bring in our guest for the episode, and we're doing it. We're doing the toolbox. We're doing the toolbox. Haven't done it in I don't know how many episodes. So I'm kind of excited for this because there's so much new stuff coming out, and I would like to at least talk a little bit about it. Uh, as soon as we're done with that, we're jumping into the end of Enlightenment the um, the book that came out with uh, Techless. And uh, we're going to cover that. And then you're going to find out what's going up in the next couple episodes. And it's going to be awesome. Especially since the next episode is going to be in like four days because I'm so late. But uh, hey, school's done. So now I'm back on track. We're going to th- have stuff and things and, and lots of stuff to talk about uh, when we get back. That's right, folks. Chaos Orc Superstore, your one-stop shop for all your hobby gaming needs. They've not only got current and classic GW releases, Chessex Dice, and Vallejo Paints, but now they're also carrying Mantic, Infinity, Flames of War, 
Privateer Press, Soda Pop, Dark Age, and other assorted boarded miniature-based games. They usually ship within 24 hours, and the model in the picture is the model they ship to you, because at Chaos Org Superstore, what you see is what you get. And we're back. We are back. I am back. And guess what? My co-host is back. So, two important things before we get started. First, introduce the co-host. You all know him as Patreon associate producer AJC. I know him as my friend Andrew. Andrew, thank you so much for coming on today and talking about this book with me. Thank you for having me. Well, uh... I'm just ecstatic that we're finally getting to record this and talk about this book. It has taken me forever to get through everything and get to this. But before we get to the book, we're going to do something we haven't done for months on this show. And that is we are going to have, uh, uh, we're going to actually do the toolbox segment brought to you by Chaos Org Superstore. Chaos Org Superstore, Chaos Org Superstore, Chaos Org Superstore. That's right, Chaos Org Superstore. You've heard it. You know what I'm talking about. It's Chaos Org Superstore. Okay. 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 So. Uh, anyone who is new to the show and hasn't heard this in months because we haven't done one in forever, uh, the Toolbox is the section of the show where we talk about our hobbying and any games we've had and any other cool, fun, geek stuff that we might be doing. And so, uh, Andrew, I'm going to throw it to you first. Have you been doing any cool hobby? Okay, so for the last couple of months, uh, I promised my wife that I'd go through my... Um I guess what they call it, the potential or something like that. My back catalog of things that I really should have got done before I purchased any new ones. Isn't that called the pile of shame? Isn't that just the simple? pile of shame? Yeah. <laughs> it's all about different names. Um, it's like pile of potential. That's the other one I heard, but yeah. I don't know. Um, so I finished doing 2K work for Stormcast um, since I had the since uh, AOS 2 came out, which had just been sitting there, which I never really did anything with. I mainly used it as test models to get back into the hobby. Um, and I did 2K of Nighthorn. Um, I just love the ghosties. Can't help uh, me too. Uh, but now it means that um, I can now focus on my first love, which is elves. Uh, so I just I started putting together the ruse or the wind charges and... Um, the Lore Seeker, and the uh, Blade Lords. Nice. Very nice. So you finished off painting, building and painting, or just building? Uh, half were already built, but it was building and painting. So 2K worth of Stormcast. So that's probably a good 35, 40 Stormcast. Yeah. And then 2K of Nighthaunt. Which, yep. depending on how many of the chain rafts you take, is anywhere from 120 to 1,057 models. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so it was about the Stormcast. I think was only it wasn't that big because I had, I bought myself a Star Drake, so that was a big chunk of the points. So. <laughs> nice. Yep. Take that big thing. Get your points in quick. One model, lots of points. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, as for the Nine Horde, it was mainly. Um, yeah, it was mainly chain rafts more than anything else. Um, I don't tend to go for the name characters. Uh, it's just how I like to play my games. I don't like to use the name characters. I like to create my own characters and think of the backstories. Makes sense. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. So I don't have any a lady or Lindas or anything like that. But you know, 
I have everything. <laughs> I literally have. In fact, I I, I just uh, if uh, for my hobbying, uh, the last couple of things I've built were uh, the the cruel gas cruciator. The dude with the cross on his back, that's such a pain to build. But it's gorgeous when it's done. I don't know how I'm going to paint it. Like, I'm never going to get it's going to this is it's a good thing I don't actually care if it's beautiful or not because getting in like that's it's so hard to paint Games Workshop stuff nowadays. Everything is so dynamic, but it's also uh, unless you paint it before you put it together, it's so hard to get into spots. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes even when you try to paint it before putting it together, there's like little gaps that you always miss. Yes. Oh, it's a nightmare. Um, but so I picked him up and I built him just a couple days ago. And so that uh, means I still I still have everything for Night Haunt. Uh, and it's about 80%, 75 80% painted. Um, I don't think anything is just in primer anymore. I think everything's got at least something on it. So I'm pretty happy with that. Um, and I better be because I've got to finish all of it. Uh, so that I can finish up and can get painting the uh, Realm Lords. Because I have uh, over 2,000 points of Realm Lords, and then I had to buy, what, another 1,000 uh, points worth of character models, and I got one one box of Wind Chargers and one box of Blade Lords, and that's not nearly going to be enough. There's more stuff. Uh, finally, finally, the terrain piece came in at Grognard's, Oh, my bells. Oh, the bell. There we go. When I was fixing the... We had a total technical glitch, folks, by the way. We recorded for about 25, 30 minutes, and then I had a power... Just one of those blips at the house where everything went black for like half a second. Not everything disconnected. But, of course, the soundboard shut down and rebooted, and so we lost everything. And while I was moving wires around, I got one jammed into the bell there. But now it's fixed again, so there we go. Um... I totally lost track of what I was saying. Oh, yeah. Um, Grave Lords. Uh, I definitely want to build and buy and paint those. And so many zombies, and they're so nice. Um, but I'm not and doing that. And the rules that. are so fun. Oh. I think that's the other thing. I cannot wait. In fact, I know it's super late this month with this episode, and there's another episode coming up in like three or four days because I will get the two episodes out this month. But we're going to do uh, lore for Grave Lords in a couple of days. And then uh, I'm actually going to be in Disney World, but I'm going to get into the can at least before I leave. I will get the uh, Grave Lords, uh, uh, the war section. And then like when I get back, I get back on like the 10th or the 11th, and as soon as I get back, I will uh, I will get that edited and get that put out for everyone because I'm so excited about that. I haven't I, I haven't been this excited in a while. Like the last couple of books came out and I'm like they're cool and I like them but I had no, I was like I was not in any real concern about I was going to build them. Actually that's not true. I really did like the Slaves to Darkness book when I covered that. But the Slanesh book stuff like that not this I'm reading I'm like oh look a death army I don't have. Oh wait actually I have half of this army. I just need to buy a few of these guys and that other thing. What do you think of the of the models that are the, like the the vampire centaurs? Uh, at first, I'm a bit iffy about them. I, at I think, first glance, I hated them. At yeah, this, like my yeah. first look, because it looked like it looked like they had a vampire body just on the neck, like a whole body on the neck of this. Yeah, yeah. 
But at, cause plus, at first when I looked at it, because it had the two back legs, and then it looked like the wing parts looked like arms. So it looked like a body with a body on top of it. And then somebody, it must, I think it was Rotor, was like, just said the word centaur. And once he said that, and I stopped looking at the wings as arms and just more as like four limbs, I'm like, oh, wait, I see what this is supposed to be. And at first glance, it didn't quite look like it. But now people are starting to post their pictures of them. And I'm like, I, I think I like this model. Like, I really think yeah. I like this model. I saw a lot of cool conversions that people have done for the ones that don't actually like the uh, centaur part where, you know, they've put mm -hmm. a different head on top of it and then done like legs for her. And that looks really good. Um, so I guess it's up to what you really like. But, um, I mean, the thing is she's meant to be the monster army. So from what I can gather from the rules, so, you know, she's meant to be traveling with like, uh, zombie dragons and terror guys. So, you know, they're meant to be the monster mash. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's, I'm, like I said, I'm excited for this, but I have to finish, I have to finish my, my night hunt and my realm Lords before I get into another army. I promised myself. Plus, I don't yeah. have I don't have a grand to drop right now. Although, get into it or not, eventually there's going to be I don't know, probably 120 zombies on the table ready to be built. That's only six boxes. That's not even a lot. That's only six boxes of them. Because now I have to get my zombies going. Because I sent most of them out. I gave them a, most of them away. Plus, they were the mantic ones where the base is just wedged into that square base. It's a part of the actual base. So I can't change it. They look so good, those zombies and the skeletons. Just, uh, I just upset that I couldn't get myself Curse City, just you know, so I can paint them and start it. So, but you know, sometimes you I, just don't have the luck. I get that. Now, I actually did. I did luck out, and uh, I was complaining how I didn't get a Cursed City, and then someone's like, "Oh, this place still has some left," and I and I managed to get one. Um, and. <sighs> I'm definitely keeping it because it's got all those models that I'll probably never play in my Grave uh, Grave Lords army because you got to take like all the characters in one big group for like 750 points or something like that. And I'll probably never do that, but I would not ever want to not have the models for something in my army because I'm a completionist. So I'm I I I will say this: I am not keeping it um, for the exciting gameplay. I, I really had high hopes. Here's the thing. Is it better than the last two? Is it better than Silver Tower and whatever the second one was called that I can't think off the top of my head? Yes. It is much better. Uh, but is it Blackstone Fortress? Mm, nope. Not quite. And I don't want to get into the debate about it, but the whole thing with is there going to be new models and new adventures if there's no new modules no new mod like like blackstone fortress is giving you new stuff all the time so you there's always something different can happen um you know this is a game you got to play through the adventure if you win it you get to open up the little sealed envelope like there's something in the sealed envelope for you to read so you can't read it until you, unless you just want to open it and just be like forget this game i'm not following the rules but that's not who i am it's still sealed it's going to stay sealed um, I I want to love it. I want to I love Cursed City. The book, the novel that came out for it that leads up to it, uh -huh. it really got me like, damn, I really want to play this now. Like, it was such a good build up and um, showing the characters and stuff. And I was just like, oh, so disappointed I didn't get to actually get it. But 
luckily there's this thing called YouTube and people play it on there all the time. So yeah, and it's like I said, it's it looks great, and it is fun. It's just yeah. I don't know that it's want to pull it out and keep doing that same game over and over fun. Even though there are things that change depending on how much, how much you know how, how what level your your team's at and stuff like that. It's it's firing. It's just not firing on all cylinders for me. Yeah. And I and I and I wish it I wish it was because I want to I want a cool game like this. I want a dungeon crawler, you know? It's it's not like quite not quite Mordheim, which is what I would really love. Yeah. Um, but it's 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 a it's a dungeon crawler that is fun. But it's just not grabbing me. Like there's some I don't know what the missing element is, but there's something there that's just like I'll play it. And like I said, the models are gorgeous. They're stupid good looking. Um I just uh, I don't know why this game it doesn't quite like it's you know, I mean I don't know. Like I said, play it, yes. Love it, eh. I wanna love it. Yeah. And I can't. I just don't. Well, I keep looking at the models that are absolutely beautiful, but then I'm thinking, so is this like a a lead up to when we get Soul Blade Book Two? Because is this a thing that we're going to start doing having now? Two books for um, every faction. What do you mean? Uh, um, so you know, with the uh, new release of the um, uh, the vampires. You, in the Curse City, you got the vampires. They're like hybrid, like wolf. Oh right, right. They're like hanging from the things. Yeah. Oh, I see. But they I weren't see. in the new book, and but they weren't in the new book. So, and I oh. thought that would have been a good unit to have, like for a new release. But is this a case of are we actually waiting until they release another book? Oh, I don't know. I uh, I have no idea. I'm so. not certain. All I know is that. Like I said, and we'll be covering this in a couple weeks, but the Grave Lords have taken up a lot of my attention. Yeah, because there's some beautiful models, and and I was fortunate enough. Games Workshop did send me a copy of the book, and they were nice enough. I, I don't know if they were being nice or they were making fun of me, but they sent me a box of Blood Knights, and I'm trying to put those together, and I'm going to paint those, and you know, it's like. Hey, I'll take it. Like you know, if they want us, I'll I'll paint them up. I'll put pictures of them up on the website. I'll put them all over the social media. Say, hey, look what they sent me. But I, it's not. I mean, it's not like I'm a I'm a Tyler Mangle or I'm one of these guys who wins like these best painted. You're not going to see a Terry Pike looking model for me. Mine's, you know. In fact, I might be the perfect person to send it to. It's like, hey, look what a guy with only mediocre painting skills can do with this. Like, if he can make it look good, like when Tyler makes it look good, you're like, wow, that's amazing. And it's like, yeah. So here you can follow my easy steps, and you follow them, and it's like, it, and you're like nailed it, and you didn't. And but with mine, it's like, oh look, I use contrast paints, like, and that's it. And it's like, oh, I could do that if if that guy can do it. So maybe that's their plan: send some of this stuff to White Tech, because if he can make them look good, we'll sell a billion. Because then anybody can make them look good. That must be that the plan. That being said, they sold out for like an hour everywhere. Oh, that's like did as they? As soon as they came out, they just sold out. Uh, because they're good. And once again, this is stuff we're gonna have to cover in the next couple episodes. I read those rules, and I mean, I know people are talking about how the the thing where the, it it seemed to me like they're on the eternal charge. They charge in, and then at the end of the fight, they can charge through and move through stuff yeah. and do wounds. Yeah. 
but does that count as a retreat? And I and I'm, I'm thinking personally. I didn't even think of it that way because I'm like, why would you do that? Because the whole point is then they get bonuses when they charge. They're supposed to keep moving and constantly be charging back into combat. So I'll wait for the FAQ. But it's like if someone was playing it with me, I would totally let them do their stupid move and then charge again because that's the whole point because they're so awesome. And they're all vampires. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and once again, uh, everybody knows how much I love the zombies. And the zombies in this edition – if you go back like you know five six years on this stupid show and go back to when we were actually talking about vampire counts, I remember talking to Barnett and Chris. You even saying, "All I want to see is that you know you take how many of them you kill, and then maybe maybe some of the guys you kill come back as zombies and join your unit." Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm reading this, and I'm like, wait a minute, I kill stuff, and then I get to roll dice, and then if it's there, they didn't join. I'm like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I, and it's not I, even like a high roll to actually bring them back. No, it's like, if, it's like if, a, if you kill. Now, it's plus. hard to kill stuff, but you kill stuff, yeah. then I get more models on a two plus. Oh, yeah. This is the greatest <laughs> thing ever. Uh, oh, I am so, so excited. But that's that's neither here nor there. But that's what I've been building. I was working. I got about a quarter of the Cursed City done. And then I put it aside to build character models for Realm Lords and the, and the, and the new character for the night haunt because now that it's built i could still say i can go i can once again say all my night haunt models are at least built and primed yes and without that <laughs> one i was i was off but now it's oh and i almost finished the black coach it's all almost right. it's yep. almost all painted i need to do the base i need to roll out another base because i did custom bases for the rest of the night haunt so i have to do one for this guy uh and then once i i, I did sub assembly it and paint it in parts once I got the base done, I'll put that all together. I'll have the black coach done. Um, I'm super excited about that, though. But that's that's been my my hobby, just building lots of stuff and gearing up for the summertime. Um, especially once we get things going down here, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a, a painting maniac. But that's what, that's the plan. So, have you managed to get any gaming out there? In uh, I I know that you you guys are you or at least things had loosened up a little bit. There were tournaments and stuff going on over there. Yeah, so uh, we've been lucky enough to have uh, a lot of tournaments open up uh, all across the country and even uh, in New Zealand. Our friends over there, they had their Masters over the weekend or last weekend. Um, so unfortunately for me, I work a lot during weekends, so uh, I don't get a chance to really play all that much. Um, hopefully we'll tee up a game with a couple of friends of mine soon, but... I just moved location recently, so um, I'm actually now like three blocks away from a Warhammer store. So hopefully I can get some games in there. You said three blocks. Yeah. Oh, that's three dangerous. Blocks. That's super yeah. dangerous. Harrison, here's a, in that bag right there, with a case of, half a case of whisper water. That is super dangerous. Sorry about that. Harrison's in the room here, so I was just t chatting with him real quick. Um, yeah. Um, Three blocks. Oh my god, I would be there all the time. I would be yeah, that's yeah, no, that's that's too dangerous. Yeah, lucky they don't open all the time, otherwise I'd probably be there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you mean he's here all the time? A couple more minutes he'd be a stool. What are you talking about? So yeah, oh my god. <laughs> so that's really awesome. Yeah, I have not been able now that Harrison's home, we are going to be gaming. Uh it's just I'm just finishing up school. I've got like three more days of school. I got my grades in. I just finished up my last grad class. We're going to Disney next week. Once that's done, it's like then I'm home and it's like 
yeah, summertime. It's, you know, spend the first four or five hours of the day in the morning doing, uh, you know, home improvement DIY. Spend the afternoon hobbying. And then when the wife gets off work, hang out for a bit, hang out with her. And then when she heads off to bed, get the gaming out. Like, I've got my schedule down, man. It's going to be fun. Plus, and then you have to build like 120 zombies at some point as well. So, you know. That, that, that's not work. That is joy. <laughs> that is joy. I've already had people, are you going to do the thousand zombies? I'm like, there's no way to do a thousand zombies in, in this version of the game. So I don't need that many. But I will. I am definitely, there will be a, a you know, characters and zombie army for me eventually. Just all zombies and characters. Because that's, that's my pleasure. That is that just hordes of crappy stuff that just keeps coming at you and keeps coming at you and keeps coming at you. Yeah, you can have the. Yeah, I know those guys are elite. Just uh, you, you, can you kill a billion of my things before they kill your forty? Like that's you know that's I yeah. love I love that game. Love. And playing. I'm the type of person I love challenges like that. You know, throw everything you can at me. Let's see how far I can actually go. Yep. Um, so I, I remember years and years ago um, when I first started playing. Oh, this is back in fourth edition. Um, friend of mine, he. He had very uh, generous parents, so he had everything, like everything undead related. So oh me and my friend would team up and try and take down absolutely everything he had. And he had like like nearly 50 skeletons, 50 zombies, Nagash. And it was like <laughs> me with my small little dark elves and my friend with his small little orcs just trying to smash everything across. Those are some of the most fun narrative games. That's yeah. like when I realized when I when I when I was collecting all this night haunt stuff and just going way overboard, and um, and I can play the super battalion now. <laughs> I can take the super battalion, which is all the other battalions. And when you add in the cost of all the battalions, and then you throw in yeah. a couple of uh, endless spells, you know, I've got I can play a six thousand point game. So I could literally play against Harrison has about three thousand points of. Lumineth, I could take six thousand points of Night Hunt against his Lumineth and his friends' army, <sighs> and they can team up and try to stop the Night Hunt from happening. And I'm like, oh, those Lumineth will still wipe me out. Heck, honestly, six thousand points of Night Hunt against three thousand points of Lumineth, that might be a fair fight. Actually, the way things go in that stupid game, uh, because yeah. just the way he takes out characters, and then uh, you, this, you know, the rest of it is so character dependent. But yeah, uh, that is true, actually. So much, um, so much fun though. So much fun playing those narrative <laughs> games. It's just dumb. Uh, so, what else do you got? You got any? Uh, you got any other which falls into any any of your geeky hobby stuff? Movies, books, things you're reading, things you just have been enjoying lately. Yeah, um, I just finished uh, the Curse City book, uh, which I said uh, the audio book. Listening to that, yeah, that was fantastic. Was it okay? Um. Definitely got me gearing up to. I really want to play Curse Cities and see what happens next. So it is a fun game. It's just, I mean, it's, and it's got it's not as fun as Blackstone. Uh, Black you know what? And if I played 40k, then I could just play Blackstone Fortress all the time and be happy with it. Yeah. But it's like I got, I you know, it's it, it uh, just be as good as Blackstone Fortress. That's all I want it to be. It's <laughs> come on, guys, come on, GW, give me something that's gonna hit on 
that level, and I will, I will talk about it all the time. I will just do Garage Gamers once a month about my 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 adventure dungeon crawling in your in your AOS dungeon crawler. You just you got to give me that that last little oomph because I like yeah. it. I just want to love it. Um, besides from that, uh, me and my wife have been watching the uh, Mighty Ducks reboot slash new <laughs> series, which is just silly. Um, I th- yeah, we haven't really done much because it's been most of my time working over weekends. I just don't get a chance to do much. So I hear you. I hear you. Uh, yourself? Oh, I've been just. There's constantly stuff on at my house, my wife and I, because we'll, we have dinner. Like, when she's done with work and I'm home, like, we, we'll fix dinner and then we'll sit down and, and, and eat dinner and watch a couple of shows. Um, we watched all of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which was fantastic, by the way. I thought that was great. Yeah. Um, right now, she never watched Lucifer. And the new season, the the new, the, I think it's the final uh, last season is coming out of that soon. We, I got her watching that. Uh, I've been watching The Bad Batch, which is so good if you're into Star Wars. That is really good. Um, I read The End of Enlightenment. I've been reading all this Games Workshop stuff. Uh, audiobooks, I'm listening to the Thrawn trilogy for Star Wars. Ah, uh, yeah, that's and, an excellent. Uh, yeah. So good. Uh, he's my favorite. Like I, yeah. my, I have, I have Thrawn. My license plate says Thrawn. Like that's and I hands mean, down, Star Wars audiobooks are some of the best audiobooks because they like, audio drama them. They add in the yeah. sound. Of, they put the Star Wars music in the background when there's fights going on. You hear the ships flying by. You hear the lasers going. Yep. You hear the lightsabers. Yep. They add that little bit that makes it just perfect. Yeah, um, been just enjoying the heck out of that. Um, and that's a, that's mostly where my geeky stuff has been going. Um, I've been watching, uh, you know, other, other stuff on the side, like, you know, I've been watching some of the new releases. I watched Mortal Kombat and then I made fun of that. Uh, and then Rotor turned me on to something called, uh, pitch meeting from the screen rant guys. It's called oh, the pitch meeting got, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been watching him for probably in the last six months. I'd never heard Fantastic. of it until like two weeks ago, and I've I've must I've watched like uh, at least fifty or sixty of them. They're fantastic. Yeah. They're so funny. Uh, so yeah. I've been I've been doing that in you know while getting all this other stuff done. That's that's been sort of my focus. But that's kind of my other. Um, and that's the toolbox. We haven't done a toolbox in forever. I am so excited that we did one finally. I haven't done one in so long. And we need to because they've put out so much stuff. I mean, Kragnos we talked is this week, isn't it? The yeah. Yeah, the Crag Crag <laughs> that guy. There's a model. I'm not certain about his face. Then I saw those rules and I was like, "Wow, okay." And I yeah. love it. I'm reading today and people are like, "Uh, he's kind of meh. He really he doesn't have much to save against mortal wounds." And I'm like, "This guy's got a two-up save, a bajillion wounds. He can do like he does he's he's really tough. Like he could just crank out the wounds." I'm like, and considering most of the mortal wounds he'd have to be careful of is like range spell mortal wounds and he's got a shield that like pretty much stops most spells. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's not uh He's he's not uh, he's not hurting right now for no. uh, 
for for uh, you know he's not getting much sympathy from me. They're saying, "Oh, look," and, and I'm not saying he's broken. Obviously, he's going to have some weaknesses, and who knows how much he costs. But yeah, uh, yeah he's coming out. I can't wait to read the book. Uh, I, I'm so I'm so excited for for this next because the last three. I mean, Marathi was great. Teclas was great. Bellacore was way cooler than I expected it to be. Yeah, like the story's yeah, going really awesome. well. Yeah. Especially if you like dwarfs right at the end. Oh, that's just a nice <laughs> if Games Workshop ever comes out with some legit old school stand your ground with an axe backed up by a bunch of cannons and, and, and rock throwers, uh man, I might I might I might get back into my dwarves because as much as I love the overlords and the fire slayers, I my 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 passion was just regular, straight up, old school dwarf. And I and I know you can do them in Cities of Sigmar. It ain't the same. No, no. If they ever give me just the straight up, these are the the, and they could be the Dwarden from the cities, but give me just a book for just them and their cool stuff. And I don't I don't see it happening. But boy. Oh, when they, when they showed up and just started carpet bombing the place at the end of that book, I was like, "This is the greatest." It's funny you say that because I'm like, I was thinking the exact same thing, but then I saw that, like they got these two new city heroes coming out uh, yeah. in the next couple of weeks, and so I'm like, "Hang on, does this mean we're actually going to start seeing some new city stuff? Like, may we get some refresh stuff? Because that'd be cool." It- yeah, hey, I'm happy with whatever they want to put out at this point, you know. But you, I mean, who knows? Who knows what they're doing? Every time I turn around, there's more stuff. Who are the silent people or whatever we're talking about? Like everyone's, yeah. there's a. I mean, all I know is it's pretty darn exciting. Yeah. Like I, am, and then we've got the unboxing of AOS three this weekend as well, from what I understand. Yeah, so they're going to be showing us that stuff. I'll, okay, I'd like to see that. I'm happy to yep. see that, um, and I have and I have avoided all the all the supposed spoilers and the leaks and that. Uh, I'm not a person who's like, don't tell me that, you know. And I don't get mad if people drop it, but when I see people putting up links and they're like, oh, come and here's a link. This is the ru-. I I haven't watched any of it because I just I'd rather just see the rules than get all worked up about something I don't know yeah, if it's exactly. right or not, you know. Yeah. And hey, maybe it is right, maybe it's not right. I just want to see the new rules. Especially that being said, go ahead. Sorry. We'll have a community. Um, they uh, accidentally released the spoilers for um, Kragnos on their actual page today. Right, but I mean, they said there were spoilers, and don't read it if you don't want to. So, I mean, I yeah. didn't. I didn't I read that it. Part. I was reading it in the morning. <laughs> I was just like, oh, oh yeah, this is. <laughs> and then I read that one. Oh. I read the beginning and it said, "See where they're yeah. at," and then it says, "And then we're going to give you the." You know, as we as we go into the new storylines for AOS Third Edition or whatever it said, I'm like, well, if they're going into the storylines for AOS Third Edition, I mean, and th- here's the thing, and this is what I what I noticed: they'll never tell you spoilers if something's already been released. Yeah, true. Like when they said spoilers, I was not thinking spoilers for Teclas, Marathi, or Bellacore because once it's released, they talk about it and they they don't yeah. hold anything. In fact, the week before. They're dropping all sorts of stuff on that page. So when they said spoilers are coming for the storylines in third edition, I'm like, oh, then they're going to be spoiling. I, I mean, I didn't even think so much about Cragnos, but I'm like, they're when they say spoilers, it's usually stuff they haven't released yet. That's how they do it. So 
I just didn't read it because, once again, it said, if you don't want spoilers, don't read. And I said, oh, thank you for telling me that. <laughs> Click. Turn that off. Yeah. I missed that part this morning. So, <laughs> oh. so you know what's happening at least a little bit. I know All exactly right. what's happening. I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. But at the same time, I'm like, damn, I wish I read that first part in the morning. <laughs> That's the problem when down in Australia. When we wait, we get the news, like, early in the morning so you know i wake up first thing i do check gw what like the warhammer community website what's new what's going on i'm like i'm half asleep haven't even gotten out of bed yet and then i'm just reading it and i'm like oh yeah and i went ah uh, oh <laughs> well yeah that, i mean that can happen so well there you go folks if you don't want to know don't read that article but uh yeah i'm excited there's so much coming up there's so much coming out and um I'm I'm eager to see what they do with this edition. Um, I'm not. I, I don't. I don't know that it needs a lot of change. So I'm curious to see what what they're doing. So, although if 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 every time you know if if we get a new edition every you know four to five years and then or what is it like three three years you know every three to four years we get a new edition and with the new edition they move the story along a little bit like this like i'm i'm really excited to see i mean we saw what happened in teclas we saw what happened in bellacor so we know that the the you know the certain realms some of the gates are are weakening and chaos is coming through more but teclas also smashed the heck out of death and so now we see light and life magics starting to come on the rise so i'm assuming this is the, this is all leading up to whatever the new thing is going to be for the next edition i'm i'm so excited to see where the story goes for this next edition yeah and it's enjoyable that it's actually moving forward because i remember i i started playing in 94 and i stopped playing in around 99 because then i was getting ready to go to uni uh-huh I came back for end times. Wow. And between then, not much had moved. No. It was still the exact same characters, the exact same. Everything was still the exact same. Um, and that's and, the main reason they blew the world up. There was no, they, they yeah. had nowhere to go. Exactly. So, and that's been the fantastic thing is you don't know what's going to happen next. You know, you always knew, oh, these characters are always pretty much going to survive. I don't think many died in the old one because they'd always come back. You know, right now you don't know, you know, characters die. You never see them again. So unless <laughs> I guess they're super, super powerful like a gash. And then, you know, he's coming back. They got him down to oh, one, yeah. one bit of like one little dust moat or whatever. One little skin fragment uh, at, at when yeah. the Skaven hit him with that sword, that knife. And he still came back. Yeah. The fact that he's been, he's had his body destroyed again, and he's got to go back and do all that. It's like, oh, that's okay, cool. And with you know, without Archon to rush him coming back, or without him to actually bring Archon back, that's pretty crazy. Like I'm, I'm, I'm reading this going, wow, wow. What are, I mean, that's going to have to be some element of the storyline going into the third edition. Yeah, and it means that the vampires now get to play, you know, be more players. And you know that Manfred's always going to want to be a big player. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? The guy doesn't have a body right now. Manfred's like, all right, look, okay, yeah. All right, so I guess uh, I'll just do my own thing till you get back then. All right, the yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, trust me, I won't wreck everything. 
I mean, heck, they were backbiting and screwing each other over when they were on the mission to corrupt the the realm gates. Yeah. When he sent them before he got crushed, I'm like, oh, that's gonna be. I'm, like I said, I'm just excited. But uh, so we should wrap this up. Um, and so you know what? Let's let's do this. Uh, Let's do a, a quick beginning to the book, and then we'll take a break. Uh, there's three parts of the book. I want to get, like, two breaks in here. Um, I know I've got – oh, by the way, folks, uh, one of these breaks we're going to take, um, I've got I, – I did – I managed to – I was I sat down and talked with uh, with Todd, the owner of Grognard Games. So instead of a commercial, I've got a thing where he and I just sat down and chatted about stuff going on in the store and – What's going on in the store with things opening up soon? And it was a, it was a nice little chat. I got that in here as part of the show too. Um, but let's let's jump into the book, um, "The End of Enlightenment" by Richard Strachan. Strack, I think that's how you pronounce his name. All right. So Andrew, before we dive into the meat of the book here, what's what are your first impressions of the book? I really enjoyed the book, as in it gives you a good look into the lives of the Luminef and the OCF Bone Reapers. Um, and originally, I didn't want anything to do with the Burn Reapers. I thought, okay, you know, they'll just just stand it undead. But after reading this, I was like, well, I could really do with a Burn Reaper army if only they weren't so ugly. It's the only undead army I don't own. And it's mostly because they, I, I'm not a huge fan of the models. Um, but I agree with you. Reading the book, getting to see what they do. You know, they, I mean, they have their own personalities, their own minds. They're not the mindless automatons that you see in all the other undead armies. So that, that was interesting. Uh, getting to see some of the lives of the Lumineth was interesting, too. Um, yeah, the fact that they all have, like, a, um, an art that they all practice is, like, very interesting. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Gives them more character, in a sense. They all pick a specific uh, uh, elf rune that they sort of choose as their own rune that they all live by. Yeah. Um, you know, the, this sort of this this sort of philosophy of their life. Those things I found really interesting. Um, the nuts and bolts of, like you said, of uh, you know, Asiak Bone Reapers unlives was cool. Some of the backgroundy stuff for the elves was cool. Uh, the very ending, when like the aftermath portion, like that, I actually, you know, the 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 epilogue, yeah, was very cool. My problem was the actual story, you know, of these battles, which is when I started reading, I'm like, okay, so, you know, we start off at 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 the battle where where they're fighting in in uh, in Shyish and trying to destroy the big monuments that was from the Teclas book, and it went on and. I would just say that, uh, this was not my favorite Black Library book that I've read for Age of Sigmar, and I think the reason was I personally felt like most of the story was very standard by the numbers, predictable fare. There was only one or two things that happened that I was like, oh, I was expecting something else to happen. And honestly, I was expecting something far more by the numbers to happen because the rest of the book to me felt so by the numbers it's not bad it's just i never felt like there was a lot of stakes involved like i kind of and i mean yeah we knew where it was gonna go because we read techless yeah. so i kind of knew how it would go but like 
I've watched Apollo 13, and I've watched Apollo 13, like, many times. I knew how that ended before I got to the theater, you know? Like I said, that's real life. And that movie was still exciting, and I still cared about those characters, and I still was sort of, like, enthralled to see how they got out of it. And here, there was cool stuff that happened, but I just, I didn't get that sense, uh, uh, like, I didn't feel like, I, I just didn't get the sense that there was anything really at stake. Like, I never had for a moment thought that that there was a lot, I guess, a lot at stake. I didn't get that feeling. I think, yeah, especially if after you've read Broken Realms and you understand, like, there was one key aspect that, you know, if they brought it more in, it would have been more at stake, you know, like, the Bone Reaper was, had a mission and he had to complete this mission. If he didn't complete this mission, Broken Realms would be completely different. Right, but he never got close to it. And I never no. worried I never worried for a minute that he would. Um, in fact, here, let's jump into it. This book is divided into three parts. Okay, part one, part two, part three. Like, they're not titled. It's not like some of the Horus Heresy ones where each part has a title. But the book's busted into three parts. Like I said, it's called The End of Enlightenment, which is a pretty ominous title. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, part one, we start with a prologue, the dead march. And here we're at, we're at the, one of the battles, the battles uh, to destroy those three giant monuments in, in Shyish. And you get this, uh, you get this character, Tareth, who's uh, a, 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 an elf. Uh, and she's you know one of the one of those sort of unit champion type characters. Um, she's out there with her unit, and they've got all their spears and their shields, and they're out there fighting. Uh, and it's interesting where it starts out, and she's like, "Okay, get ready!" And they start, there's a charge, and then there's a couple ga- a couple line gap where there's just blank, and then it jumps, and you're suddenly in the middle of the battle, and yeah. like it's changing. That was it was a pretty. Like I started like, okay, this is interesting. We're not going to go through all of it. We're just going to show this part and then jump ahead in the battle to where suddenly it's like, oh, my God, do this, do this, do this, do this. Then they jump ahead in the battle again, and next thing you know, the main character seems to have died, or at least the character in this section. Yeah. It, I I did enjoy the battle scenes. Like It was really well written, and it's very Greek style as well, which is I think is what the Luminef is going for, especially with the pikes and everything. Uh-huh. Um, the, I mean, I know the little nuggets in there, like, you know, the way they formed up was like, you know, the shining company rule and stuff like that. So those little like nuggets to the rules that were there and, you know, uh-huh. using the ether courts and that was fantastic. But yeah, it was just very interesting that it starts off with this high impact, high action pack scene. And then after this, it just, that's it. Like it goes all quiet until the end. Oh, so. Okay. See, and that's it. So we get chapter one, and chapter one, you find out that Tareth has a brother named Kareth, who is a stone mage, and he is at the uh, Altharadon, at the giant mountain Altharadon, and he's there doing his stone magey stuff, and there's some discussion about them. She asked him to come off and fight this battle with him. He's much older than her. He doesn't do the fighting thing anymore. He's more of the contemplative, meditative mage thing going on. And so they're, you know, they don't get along. I'm like, okay, the brother and sister who don't get along. Then he's out there sort of watching, inspecting the, the mages and the troops and, and all the stone guard around the mountain. And then he has a vision and, oh, my sister's dead. So chapter one is actually happening while the prologue is happening. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, this... It was very just... 
it was it built up really fast, but then that's it. It's like, by the numbers. That, I think, it's, yeah, it's, it's just what it is. very much by the numbers. Yeah, because then so. we drop into chapter two, the stuff of souls, and you get one. You get uh, is it is it Acridos or Acridos? How did you pronounce it? Uh, Acridos. I thought it was Acridos too. So he's a yeah. liege Cavalos Acridos. He's like one of the generals of this. He's the general of this army. And there is interesting things here where they talk about the soul masons and the guys putting the stuff back together. And after the battle, he was one of the guys at the battle. In fact, he was the guy, spoiler, well, not spoiler because it's come right out and says it, but he's the one who killed that elf girl in the, in the beginning of the book. Yeah. And he but almost. She yeah, she wounded him really bad to the point that he had to be repaired. Yeah, because well, she's got that, you know, you, you pull off the flask and you throw it and it just. Yeah. Which yeah. was really cool. That's another one. It was like, oh, wow, that's that thing they have in the rules where you can just throw yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and him and his mount were almost destroyed. Like, he had to get rebuilt. Um, then you get one of the most fascinating parts where they talk about how they don't just, you don't have their soul. You got a bit of the soul or the memories of the actual person. Like, this guy remembers being a king back then. Yeah, I think his primary soul, he was a king, and then he had souls of different aspects of people and just you know fused into that one so and it was very yeah i enjoyed that part i thought wait hey, if this is what they're like this is fantastic like like i don't know the how they collect the souls you know because they're not like the night haunt but apparently they grab souls of people even on the battlefield and they're able to grab and capture bits of these souls and then strip pieces of them and put these multiple pieces of souls into these these bone reaper characters to give them that bit of knowledge or that experience that they might need to be a better leader, which is a really cool concept where yeah. you're literally taking bits of the, this reminds yeah, me. Yeah, you take the best aspects of something and you, you know, give it to them. Yeah, like, blend them together. They don't know much about the Luminef. We've got a Luminef soul. You ain't here you go. You understand what they're like and their tactics. Like, uh huh. Which is then when you find out this is after the battle and they lost the battle. But it's been like only two days since that battle, and they, with all the bodies on the field, Elf and Bone Reaper alike, their army is back to full force after like two days. And they're going to be going out because they can feel the call of Nagash, and they know they're going to be marching out to war. And you find out, of course, he's having weird pains in his little soul gem where all the souls are kept. Something's irritating, Akrodos. And you find out from the guy who put the souls together that, oh, that elf girl that almost killed you? Yeah, a bit of her soul's in there. I thought it would be good if you understood the enemy. So I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. A bit of his sister's... The, the the elf from chapter one, the brother who uh, now who just felt his sister dying, part of her soul is in the enemy dude who's going to be sent. To, I'm like, OK, I, I, I know. Uh, now, I will I will give him this much. I really thought at the end of the book, you'd have one of these scenes where he's about to go and kill the elf. And then the sister's soul reaches up and stops him just long enough to distract yeah. him. And they didn't do that. Yeah, which I think is good. Yes. No. The that, ending has a slight twist into it, in a sense, as well. Well, the whole, the middle has a good twist coming up, which I really enjoyed, which I really want to focus more on later. Like, it's about what the owls were like before the fall, because I have many questions about that. Oh yeah. And uh, I'm just trying to I'm trying to go through and see. And I love that. So 
the guy that did the soul, uh, is it a soul mason? I think that's what the term is. Uh, Kathanos? Yes. His relationship with Akados is just fantastic. The fact is they both hate each other, but they both respect each other. And they both want to do what Nagash wants them to do. Well, yes, and all of that, and plus because of the their hierarchy. Yeah, they're they're equals. Like they're they're not in the same. It's it's no. it's it's like he's column A, he's column B, but they're still at the same height. Yeah, they're, they both have their roles to fill, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Same height. One does the souls. The other one, uh, Akados, is the tactician. He's the one who leads the war. So when it comes to war, he's in charge. But when it comes to soul masonry, Athanos is in charge. And I will say this: uh, one thing that I, I did I did make a note when Kathanos is talking to him, he's in his he's studying all the stuff and he's studying everything they've learned, and he starts talking about elf art and elf all this their arts and the way they're they're architect and all these things, and he's like, I don't care about their art of art. I want to hear about their art of war. How do I beat them in war? And Kathanos is like, Learn about their art, and you will understand how to defeat them in war. And I was just like. Grand Admiral Thrawn, where have you been? I'm like, okay, these. I'm like, I like that, you know, like that's because that's one of the things that I love about Thrawn. Um, but uh, there's there's so much going on, and there, I will say this: this this chapter, if nothing else, because when I heard the bit of that elf souls in there, I was like, I kind of groaned. But the the insight into what the Bone Reapers are like. Because they're not the mindless automatons. It's not like when you're reading a book about Nagash and you've got Nagash and like three characters and then everything else is just a mindless thing moving in. Here you've got guys who there's a bunch of them and they all have their own personalities, their own ways, and they all serve, but they're still they've still got their own yeah. bits and it's really good there. That's what I liked about like when I was reading this because I didn't know much about the Bone Reapers at all. So I was just like, Okay, so I thought they were just mindless undead. Maybe there was a boss or two. But the fact is that, you know, anyone in the leadership position has a slight uh, free will aspect that Ningash would not normally let anyone have. So, and I think that was, and the fact that this comes into play later is a fantastic addition, I find, especially for the undead. Yes, there's very cool stuff in there. Um, Chapter three, um, we get back to uh, what's his name? Kareth is about to go and, and do the the mourning ritual for his sister to find some balance because it's very upsetting that his sister's dead. He has to go mourn her. There are some cool things in this chapter too. Um, first of all, they describe the capturing of Realmstone, which maybe I missed that when I was reading the Realm Lords book. But this is on page 49 of the book. The beginning of chapter 3 says, Far above, crossing over the tip of the mountains, beams of yellow-white light drew dazzling and silent traceries in the sky. Concentrated magic speeding across the realm of Hish from the maelstrom at its very edge. To catch such light and harness its energy was to form the translucent prisms known as ether quartz. So other realms have some sort of, they all have some sort of realm stone. Yes, that's correct. Yep. This realm doesn't actually have realm stone. It literally has realm light. Like the light coming from the edges is where the magic is. And they have to capture that light and solidify it, crystallize it into ether quartz. 
that's really cool. Yeah. Because it's the light in the realm is actually what's magical, which also then when they start sun metal weapons, they start charging things up and they start to glow with that light. I'm like, this all starts to fit. The descriptions of this are fantastic. Yeah, and it makes me actually, you know, so we know about the other some of the other ones. So we know that, you know, they've got, in Shoyish, you got the sands of death that the skeletons right. used to carry. So the question now is, like, so what does um the Realm of Shadow have? Like, so if we've got light for Hish, then oh, what's Shadow got? I'm just picturing literally, and this goes back to my playing Vampire the Masquerade, but I am picturing, like, shadows almost solidifying between smoke and solid tentacle like shadows coming you know shadow monsters yeah. coming out that uh, I'm, I'm excited but i think we're all excited to see what's what's happening in the realm of shadow though like that's you know bring on that uh, third edition bring on malaria and i want to see what happens um another interesting thing is they're talking to Kareth and he is going out to you know he's going to go do the morning thing he's trying to balance this stuff he's and the guy says something his friend says to him rest is the best thing mage you're out of balance I can see it your aura has been bruised with emotion with very strong emotion seek the first runs of the teclamentari find your equilibrium once more this reminded me of Araman from the thousand sons book from the Horus heresy Okay. Yep. How they all yeah. practice with the with the sorcery and the magic. They practice the levels. Yeah. This is called the Teclamentari, which I don't think that's what it was called in there because you got Teclas's name in the beginning because he's yeah. explaining it. But it reminded me a lot of that Thousand Suns sort of ideal of finding that balance and hitting the different levels of 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 your 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 ability as as a mage. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, the, I have one question in regards to that. Though. It seems that every time they reach a new level, they lose they lose emotion, so or any trace of certain emotions. Because you know, I well, think at the very least, point, they become masters of it. Yeah, masters of it, and they can push it down, the uh-huh. emotion down. But the question is, what happens when you reach the top? Like, are you just like a well, you'd be like no. tactless. All you do is frown all the time, and you just toss yeah. magic around. I mean, <laughs> that's my guess. I mean, because you could tell these elves, they feel, I mean, they're, and, and I know I keep drawing references from other things, but they kind of remind me of Vulcans, who seem emotionless, but actually feel emotions far more than other people, and they have to keep it in check. Yeah, yeah. You know, plus, they almost yeah, destroyed their whole explain. civilization be, by indulging in their emotions thousands yeah, of exactly. years back. So. And you see... A good example later on of like uh, how emotions can actually cause ruin. Yes. So it's it, it's cool when they bring in the Cathalars and they're sort of you know pulling that you actually see them at their work yeah. and what they're doing is really cool. Um, but yeah, in fact, that was one of the most interesting things is when was when um, was when what's his name when Kareth finally gets his act together. And does what he's supposed to. He's out there just like that emotionally. He's riding around. He, and it's funny because you go back and you read some of the descriptions of watching Teclas. When he's out there fighting, when he gets his act together and is focused, this, it's the same types of descriptions. Like even his friends like were frightened of him. They're like, that's not like him. Like this, this is a different him. And he's like, yeah, because I'm more one with the – and I could see that. If you become more one with the land, if you're one with the realm – 
You yeah, know, the, the realm is a natural thing. It's doesn't. It's not. And and so I could see that emotional level just being wiped out of you as you're becoming a, more of a force of nature almost. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. I like also how they're talking about the Bone Reapers and they're talking about them. And he's like, he's like Bone Reapers, and she's like, Armies of the Dead. That's their elite, and they're actually explaining things because it's like. Wow, there's a lot of people who don't know what the heck a Bone Reaper is. Like, they don't know what these things are. There are still people who are facing off against this faction of the death, you know, Grand Alliance. And they're just totally ignorant of who and what they are, which is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah, and I like, and the flip side as well is the Bone Reapers are like, who the hell are these Lumineth? Yeah. We don't know. We've never seen them before. Like, what's going on? Yeah, and when they fight, and when they fight against them, they're just like. And he even says later in the book, he's like, "Yeah, we outnumber them like you know, like twenty to one." He's like, "Yeah, we outnumbered them before." They the when you think that you've got these guys, think again, because and yeah. and you know that's kind of awesome because I love this army. Um, what else happens? Oh, th- <sighs> chapter four. There's a lot of. Uh, Oh, this is this is where Teclas comes to talk to him. That's right. Teclas himself shows up to him in a vision and tells him, "Yeah, look, you need to fight and defeat this this guy. Um, I need you to hold this army off, and I know you can do it. I've seen it. I've seen you. Know, I know you can do it, but you need to focus and get this army." When he comes back from his astral projection vision, he is physically glowing. Yeah. Like the light of Teclis is in him and he has a faint glow to him. He he he's he's giving off light. Um which I always find that interesting because when I was when I was younger and I used to teach uh, religious ed uh at my at my parish um you know you'd get into some of these deeper talks and they would the some of the stuff that was Moses and if you just want to, and and sometimes, and, and I and I only bring this up not because I'm trying to be all Charlie Church on everybody, but I like to find you know the the other literary references. But after going up and 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 getting the Ten Commandments and going up there several times and being up there all that time, when he came back, he had that he glowed too. There's stuff that talks about that how he had to wear like burlap over his face and stuff like that because being in the presence of a god and getting all this information and this knowledge and being in their presence gives makes people there's a there's a a radiance to them that they didn't have before so i thought that was that was pretty interesting yeah i just love the part there he just they just rip his soul out for this out of body experience and just put him on the moon yeah to have the conversation i'm gonna <laughs> meditate i'm gonna start to astral project whoa what am i doing uh, the, what tackless <laughs> is like yeah look i'm calling you up to the moon yeah he's just like that it is. It is. Teclas is so nonchalant about all of it. The dude's like, "I'm on the moon." He's like, "Of course you are. I brought you here. We're gonna do this now." Okay, thanks, Teclas. Um, uh, the Bone Reapers collect a bone tithe, which is just a great. That little bit of the story, what cracked me up because they showed up and they're like, "We haven't collected from you in a long time," and they're like, "You owe us nine times nine medimnos." Yeah, and they're I, leaving. I just love that he keeps repeating it nine times, nine, and they're like, "What's nine times?" <laughs> we don't know what that is. Yeah, because they actually say, "Wait, how much is a medimnos?" 
And they come back and it's not even close to enough, so they just wipe the place out and take everything. Because that's what they do, because they're Bone Reapers. It literally followed along exactly what you expected. Um, at this time, though, now that, now that Teclis has told him to get ready to fight off the Bone Reapers, um, the temple and all this stuff outside the mountain, uh, Otharadon, they've got elves coming from all over the region. And they're coming there, and they're bringing what weapons they have, and they're getting ready to form up an army here. Yeah, I love some of the characters they brought in. So you had the um, the uh, one that used to work with his sister that she protected at the start of the book. Yeah, uh, what's his name is? Uh, Deanus. Deanus, yeah. Oh, and then when he goes and he goes to meet him and he tells him what happened and Kareth like blames, like grabs him and blames him and calls him a coward because he, and it's like, ugh. and of course this just spurs this guy because now he's ashamed that he, that, you know, because, you know, he was feeling guilty that he survived and she didn't. And then the guy blames him for it. So this guy is just the whole rest of the book. All he does is bust his chops. To, yeah. to help out and, and be the best soldier he can be and help everyone else be the best soldier they can be. He was a pretty good character, actually. I liked it. Yeah, he was good. But the best character of the whole book was uh, Lord Balafin. Oh, the of course. Master. Yeah. He was fantastic. You know, and he and he plays it off as 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 the as the you know the the roguish you know the the elvish yeah. rake. He's out there. Hairs uh, on doing poetry, hitting on people, doing all this. But the cool thing about that character is you kept getting these glimpses of where, when when that when that smiling, constantly drinking, carefree attitude, when that veneer slips, and you see that hardened warrior or that the pain. Yeah, you know, behind all these battles, behind his eyes, that he's covering up with this jauntiness. It. That's, that was a really well-written character. I re- liked him a lot. Yeah, he's. I just love the fact that he's like, they were complaining about, oh, what are you, some type of poet, the way you're talking? It's all, yes, I am a poet. I love to do poetry. I'll write you some poetry. Yeah, and he does. And he's like, oh, I'll, I'll share some of mine with you. And, she, and the one, um, what's her name? Uh, uh, Alithis. She's just like, ugh, God. you know. She's and she's the the uh, what a seneschal. She's one of the stone ma- or yeah. not the. She's one of the. St- uh, she's one of the hammer bros. Stone god. The yeah. stone god. The stone god. The uh, leader. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I think she's second in charge of the temple. Right. I think she is because he's got an apprentice yeah. and he's got her. Yeah. And uh, one of the interesting things that happens in here is that. They're supposed to be getting ready for war, and he's giving the job to everybody else. And he has gone down into the libraries, and he's looking up forbidden magics. He's looking up death magic, because now he's got a plan to save his sister's soul. And that's not the job he was actually given. And and every bit of this I'm reading reminds you of something from Call of Cthulhu. Where it's like this forbidden this and forbidden that. And as he's working on it, he's learning. And the glow is fading from him yeah. as he's doing this. Like there's, It's like every – and it, it's, it's, it's not bad, but it's, I've, I've seen all the tropes before, so nothing was surprising. When it's like, oh, even he's admitting like he's feeling weird. He's feeling off the more he studies this magic. I'm like, yeah, because dummy, 
Cause this is, yeah, have you ever read a book? Come on now. I think it just opens so many questions. Like, what were the elves doing before the Spirefall? Like, studying death magic. Like, what? Well, and my Where's guess this, is they were these elves. I want to know these elves. Yeah, well, my guess is they were studying all the magics. You know, once yeah. again, because if I I can know everything, because that's that's kind of how they are. They get obsessive. But yeah, finding all this weird forbidden stuff, and like, you know, this isn't going to end good. Um. And then what happens? We're already up to like, we're almost done with part one here. Uh, and the last part of the book is, uh, th- I think this is the more interesting. So it's when all the Bone Reapers meet up. Yes. And then uh, Nagash shows up for a vision of Nagash. Yeah. And then this is the coolest part is because all of a sudden Nag- <laughs> Nagash shows up as a big giant head in the sky. Like the sky turns purple and there's clouds. And then out of the clouds comes a big giant head. And it's him, and he starts to speak. And in the book here, what does it say? It says, uh, Nagash spoke. It was as if the words already existed inside Akrodos's mind and were only now being revealed to him. Whether those around him heard the same words, he wasn't sure. He suspected not. After all, couldn't they see that Nagash was looking directly at him and at him alone? Couldn't they tell his commands were solely for Akrodos's attention? That the mission he gave him could be carried out by no one else, and I've seen this in other religious stories and other things like that, and like in 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 in, in, in you know regular real life, not just in these books. That idea that he can talk to everyone at one time, and it looks like he's speaking yeah. directly just to you. And I mean that's just expedient, I suppose. If, if you know, just Nagash giving up the commands to everyone at the same time, and they're different commands. Um, this was really cool, though. But yeah, I I just love the fact that it's like Nagash just looks directly at him, but you can know you know that he's looking at everyone giving the orders, but he feels so like, and it's because he's a bone reaper, he feels so you know like it's his destiny, like this is it. And you start to see that in here, especially with his own personality, because much like and here, here's some of the nice parallels, you get Kareth who's been given a job by Teclas. To stop this army that's coming. Uh, and he's more obsessed with saving his sister's soul because there's a problem in her soul's out there. I don't remember where it was, and we might have skipped over it. Uh, maybe we didn't, or maybe it happens here. But he's out there, and uh, Akrodos has, is, is supposed to get the attention of the Light of Altharian and destroy Altharian. Yeah, this is where he gets the mission. Uh-huh. And there's an interesting part here because he goes, victory is followed with reward, and he thinks to himself, and if Nagash does not reward me, I will take what I want for myself. The ripe lands and yep. the elves will be mine. Their plains will be my herding grounds for my horses and their bones, the sinews of my army. I will prosecute Nagash's will, and in time I will prosecute my own. And I'm like, this is really interesting because he's giving them their own free will to do stuff, but they're not mindless automaton servants and i think that's interesting um because that's never come back to bite nagash at all yeah exactly that constantly happens you've met manfred come on now um but they're both sort of on parallel routes these two generals who are you know he's supposed to stop eltharian Kareth is supposed to stop him and both of them sort of have their own agendas which is which is keeping them from succeeding because they're not following the plan per se. But now they're getting mustered and Nagash has given them the jobs and now they're all going to be going through the realm gates. 
He's got an entire army here that's supposed to go just slowly filing. And this realm gate, it says, is, uh, what, 50 yards high and 25 yards wide or something like that. So it's it's a decent size, or 50 yards wide and twice, something like that. So they're just marching the armies through the realm gates. Yeah. This is the end of I part one. I think this one. is around the same time that Arkhan's meant to be going through the realm gate as well. Yes, I think so. Um, but here, the invasion of Hish had begun. So we know we know that this is what this book is about. Uh, we are on page 102 out of 167, end of part one. And as of right now, we have mustered the forces. This is kind of the problem I had with this book. Yeah. We are over a third of the way done with the book. We've met the characters, and we are now just getting the armies like put together. And it's like, okay... I kind of know where this is. I can already tell where this is going just off of the few things we've discussed. Let's try to get there. You know, that's the, that's that's where I'm at. Now, we should definitely take a break. We've been talking for over an hour. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and then we're going to hit parts two and three, and then we'll probably take uh, uh, the break uh, so I could uh, we could do the thing where I was talking with uh, with Todd. And then we'll come back and wrap this up. But like I said, the book, there's a lot of interesting things in this book. But it's just like, all right, I'm a third of the way through the book. And we haven't gotten into any of the stuff that's supposed to happen yet. We're just getting characters still. Yeah, the pacing, I think, was off. Just that, slightly. Yeah, that, yeah that, just that's slightly. it. It's I the think pacing, it was yeah. just a bit, yeah. So let's take a break. And then we'll come back. And then uh, we'll jump into parts two and three. All right, you tools. Uh, this is normally the spot where you would hear a commercial break that starts with a lot of people saying there's always something happening at Grognards. But instead of the usual commercial, I've got I've got the Grognard himself. I've got Todd, the owner and uh, commander in chief of Garag of Garognards. That's gonna we're gonna have to change it to Garage Hammer Garognards. So, the, uh, <laughs> so I've got Todd. Here. Todd, thank you for coming on the show. Greetings, Grognards. Thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Oh. Yes, the the Garognard, the <laughs> Garognard. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So instead of just doing the regular commercial, because things are changing. I mean, you guys. I know. Um, I mean, the stores. You know. I mean, it's open, obviously, but you you do have right. gaming going on. You have stuff happening. So, um, what's going on at what's going on at Garognards. <laughs> Let me tell you about everything happening at Garognards. There you um, go. Yeah, it's been a it's been a strange strange year or so, and and we we have we are open. We have been open. You know, other than the short uh, shutdown. I oh, gosh, it's been a year ago now. I guess right. But yeah. ever since then, we have been open. Um, and uh, you know the, the 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 pandemic has been such a bizarre time for everybody and you know we didn't know what to expect like anybody else but what we've what we discovered is that uh when people are quarantined at home for months on end they need things to do so uh we've been selling models and paints and glue and games and everything you can imagine as fast as we possibly can and, and it's been hard to keep things in stock so we we've been open you know this whole time selling stuff online. So what, what the pandemic made us do was, you know, we always had a website and a Facebook page and all that kind of stuff, but it, it forced us to create an actual online store 
um, kind of like, you know, join the, the 21st century here. So uh, we've joined the 21st century. We've had our store online store open for quite a while and we're selling stuff like crazy on that. We ship all over the United States. Um, and, and yeah, the store is open and, you know, recent months we've opened for um, a, a very limited amount of in-store gaming. You know, I think we've got uh, three, all of three tables open, you know, the tall four by six tables um, right. only, you know, one at the very front of the store, one at the very back of the store and one in the middle of the store with just a lot of space in between them. Um, Cause here in Illinois, we, there are still some restrictions on capacity and we just, you know, trying to be conscientious business, you know, people. And we feel it's the right thing to do is to allow some people to come in and play games, but we try to spread them out. And of course we're a hundred percent masks in the store at all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and boy, we just keep buying inventory. So like we're selling it and buying it as fast as we can. And so our, our inventory and our stock has grown enormously since we first, since the pandemic occurred. And so obviously once it's safe and once you're feel comfortable coming in, I would encourage everybody to come in and stop by the store. If you haven't been in, even in a few months, but especially if you haven't been in since this whole pandemic started, the store looks a lot different. We just have a lot more stuff going on. And so it totally does. And not only that, but I find myself wandering the store when I get in there. Like I generally go in, it's like, okay, head to the head to the Age of Sigmar stuff, walk past the forty K stuff longingly, because I can't <laughs> I can't I don't have time for both systems. One game at a time, yeah. Yep. And I go but then I catch myself, it's like wandering through the paint. Oh look, there's Star Wars Legion. And I, I I wish I wish I had time for that. How oh cool look, that? here's yeah. some board games. This is cool. <laughs> here's some mantic stuff over here. Here's some Reaper Bone. There's just so many things. I just there's no, I mean, it, it, for a while there, I was just kind of run in, grab my stuff, say hi to everybody, and head home. And now it's like my wife knows. It's like it's, it's you know, it's going to be more than ninety minutes between the drive and the pickup. It's like, oh, you're going to be a while, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to kind of look around a bit and see, you know. You need to allot some shopping time in there for sure. Now instead of just buying, it's actually a little bit of shopping. Yeah, it's. No, I'm no longer just running in and grabbing the thing I needed. There's all sorts of stuff that I'm not. It's like, oh, wait, you got this now? You've got that now? Yeah, we've made a conscious effort to try to expand our lines, you know, from hobby stuff, you know, hobby and tools and and paints and brushes to new games and different games and board games and, you know, uh, miniatures and role play stuff has gone crazy, as you can imagine. So, I mean, just every category that we carry we're trying to grow and make it as wide as we can. And then the stuff that does well, obviously you go deeper on. And then we're, we're even dipping our toe into model kits like Gundam kits. We're just started getting those in. And so we're going to continue to grow that line. We're adding new distributors all the time. So there's new product, um, new lines getting added to the website. And, and obviously we still do magic the gathering. We're huge into that. Uh, all of our magic cards are available to be viewed online and purchased online. And I say all of them. We don't have all of our commons. Like we don't have hundreds of thousands of commons listed online. We just have the, the cards of value or the cards that are most commonly used listed. But we still have lots and lots of um, bulk uh, commons and uncommons in the store that you can come and browse as well. So for for magic and yeah, it's been uh, it's been crazy year, and we're hoping that in the next few months, you know, fingers crossed, and everybody is good is a good person, we are able to open up some gaming again. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be, but um, you know, that's that's the goal anyway. You know, a lot of stores um, in in this industry 
you know, other store owners that I talk to, you know, we, we've all had to adjust, obviously, and, and some folks are really getting away from playing space. Um, we have been because we had to, but eventually we want to get back to where we've got, you know, lots of play space and for people to come in and hang out and play games. You know, I, I, I say the C word a lot, community. And when we opened the store, the whole point was to have a community of, of gamers and people that would come in and hang out and play games because that's what we as the owners wanted to do. We wanted a game store. We could go in and hang out and play games and yeah, we could shut it down and get rid of all the play space and make it all retail space and, and probably do just fine or even better, but that's not really the store we want to open. So, or we want to, we want to own, we, you know, so the goal is to open it back up at, at some level. And we've even talked about moving to a bigger location and, or adding on a store next to ours just to have some additional dedicated game space in the future. Are you, wait, Okay, so I was going to ask you about this, and so there, I, I noticed there is an empty <laughs> space yeah. next to your store. You are going to expand into there. Nothing is is concrete yet. You know, in the middle of a global pandemic is not the time to sign a brand new lease. You know, I'll just give you some business tip right there. There's your unsolicited <laughs> uns, unsolicited advice. Um, but, uh, especially when that space would be used primarily for gaming that you can't do right now, but that is something that we've talked about and, um, it is empty and, and we've talked to the landlord about it. And, um, you know, like I said, we've also looked at several other local locations, you know, the, the two other spots that we've scouted out are both less than four miles away, I think. So if we do move, it'll be very, very local to where we are right now in the kind of, you know, we call it the greater, technically we're in Roselle, we call it the greater Schaumburg area because Schaumburg is the center of the universe. But, um, so those are still options on the table and we definitely want to keep game space, you know, in the store in some capacity for sure. Right. And I did see, and you mentioned the Gundams. I was walking, oh, that's, that, there I was walking down that aisle and I, <laughs> I would, I must have spent, I, I must have spent five minutes looking at each and every one of those models. I was just like, oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're it's like cool kits, and they're and they're they're you know it's they're in a lot of places now. They used to be really hard to find. Um, they're fairly hard to stock just because you know again in the global pandemic, people need things to do right, so people are buying models like crazy. But we just did another order. We've got some more coming in, and you'll see those on the website as well. Those are nice models. They are. I am not that good of a model builder for those models. Plus, with the little stickers and the decals and all the things they come with, I'm just like oh. I want it to look nice, not like how it's going to look when I'm done with it. But, boy, I was just sitting there drooling over those. That was so great. I did notice you have the um, the the Dune board game. You had that in when I was in last time. Um, yep. And that's uh, well, Christopher, uh, my friend Christopher, and I each bought copies and all the expansions. So wherever we're at, we can play because that game is so much fun. I mean, if you like Dune, you know. You have to be a fan of Dune, I think, in order to get into that game. If you if you're not big into the story, then it's going to be kind of a bizarre experience for you because it's so you know alien. I guess is the, word, the right word. Right? It's so it kind is, of weird, foreign, and alien. But it it's is a neat complex game. too because yeah. they really right. went all out to create uh, each each faction has their own special rules, and it really feels like that faction. But it can really start to it messes with gameplay so much. That game is so much fun. Yeah, it's a cool game. Uh, obviously, we don't have you don't have a ton of upcoming events. You used to have a dude that would come in. Uh, I know the guy who would take pictures of people's armies and stuff too. Yeah, I talk. You know, that's part of that community. We have uh, Dan LaBracco would come in and take pictures of armies, and he had his own little kind of 
um, hobby that he did was photography, right? And so he would offer to come in and take pictures for free and then he would mount them. And if you wanted them for a very small amount of money, you could have these kind of cool you know, n- narrative, uh, you know, scenery, you know, and he'd do the, the background, uh, himself and make your cool, you know, he took my cool orc warlord and made him look like he was standing on the rock after he'd conquered, you know, whatever. And, uh, it's really neat to see your own models kind of in a magazine quality picture. You know, it's kind of like watching, putting them in white dwarf without being in white dwarf. Right. <clears throat> That's really exactly cool. what it is. It's your models in a magazine quality picture. And yeah. I know he had contacted me after we had talked about it. And then I, like I was trying to get my models painted. And of course it, that took forever. And then, <laughs> right. and then it's pandemic time. So I'm still planning on getting some of my night haunt stuff. Yeah, take uh, getting photographed because that is and whatever the cost is for the extra, it's, it's so worth it because you've got some of them up. If anyone goes into Grognards, they're up on the wall behind the register. Some of the samples of the right. pictures he did, and they just I I, I stop every time and look at them. And I've, I mean, and I'm in there a bunch, and I I'm always looking at the but they're that good. Yeah, and that's something that's cool about the community, right? We didn't solicit that. It wasn't anything that he came to us and said, hey, I want to charge you a bunch of money for this. He's just a member of the community, and he he plays the games, and he brings his kids in, and he's like, hey, this is something that I that I do that I that is fun. I think maybe other people might enjoy it as well. And just, you know, the first time he came in and did it for free for everybody, and, um, you know, just it, it's it's cool. That's part of the what I, I mean when I say community. It's not just people sitting down and playing games, right? It's people that are – part of the store and feel like they have some ownership of the store and, you know, they want to help other people out and do fun and cool things, you know, uh, and that's, that's great. I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, and I'm sure there are other examples of that, but, um, you know, that's, that's just a really, a really interesting one. You don't see that at too many places. No. And it's, it, it's, it's one of the many things that are happening at Grognards. So, <laughs> <laughs> So okay, so before we before we wrap this up here, Todd, um, you know, give out all the essential information: phone number, email address, any any anything like that that people who might want to check this out need to know. Sure. Well, you know, we're all over the internet's, right? So it's just everything is just Grognard Games. So I think on Instagram we're Grognard Store, Facebook is just Grognard Games, Twitter's Grognard Games. Um, you know, our email info at grognardgames.com. Um, all that information is available there. You know, we've got our website, just grognardgames.com, where you can see all of our inventory and all of our store. Um, you know, we ship all over the United States. And I think if you order over a hundred dollars worth of stuff, it's free shipping anywhere in the, in the lower 48. So, uh, yeah, it's super easy to find us. Uh, Most people, once you know how to say and how to spell grognard, that's, that's most of the battle right there. I talk to people on the phone all the time and, no, they can't say it. I said it, it pronounced it just like it's spelled, you know, G-R-O-G-N-A-R-D, Grognard. It doesn't get any more simple than that. So, yeah, I look forward to getting some gaming going in the store sometime. And uh, I've been listening to your podcast and uh, I know you were on Zlurpcast TV yep. recently. I was, uh, I've known those guys for years. And so um, I was watching that. I, I was going to tell you one quick, not even a story, but just... Uh, I don't know the full history of, of Garage Hammer, but, uh, you know, Chris, you obviously part was part of the, the show for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's my fault that Chris, you got into Warhammer Fantasy in the first place. Right. Did you know that? No, I did not. So because I my first store was Crooked Hat Games in Schaumburg, right down the street from where my current store is. And he was coming in the store playing. I think he was playing the Mech Warrior game, like the Battletech 
big plastic clicky guys. Okay. I think that was his game. And he saw the Warhammer Fantasy because Warhammer Fantasy was always my game. And he thought that was cool, and he could he could tell you more as to how or why he got into it. But oh, I've heard this story. I just didn't know it was you. <laughs> yeah, was, that was my store. Yeah, so it's my fault that Chris Yu got into Warhammer Fantasy, and uh, well, you know, that's the awesome. Is, the rest is history, as they say, right? Yeah, because now he now he plays with, especially with the lockdown. Uh, all three of his sons play 40k with him now. 40k yep and yeah. i know that he got big into infinity for a while i don't know if he's still doing that or not but i don't think so i think he's another guy who's got time for a system and right. his sons right. his son you know his sons are playing with him now and you know when, when aos came out it was rough for him right just like it was for a lot of people but yep. he's, that's when he, that's why he was playing infinity because aos just wasn't scratching the itch for him like it, during the during the end times and everything went wonky he was starting to check out already. Right. And with his sons wanting to play, and then, of course, you know, giant walking mechs and cool space elves and stuff like that, uh, they got into 40K. So now I think, and I don't I don't think I'm talking out of school here, uh, I think that is his, his big, his one primary game. But sure. why wouldn't it be when, you know, you've got all three of your kids who are also painting and playing with you so, yeah, and, and they and they play every week at home. And I mean, that's awesome. fantastic, you know? So yeah, yeah very, absolutely. Very cool, very cool. So, all right, cool. Well, Todd, thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. No, no problem. And um, like I said, I will see you in about a week. Everybody else, guys, check out Grognarts, check out the website, check out everything. It, it helps out and mention the show. You know, if you if you go in there, mention the show. If you go in, or or if you or if you're doing an online order, uh, just let him know that you that you heard about it and that that he's not wasting his time sponsoring <laughs> the show. Yeah, I like to hear when people, you know, they'll they'll usually it's when they do an order, or they'll shoot me a question about an order and let me know that they heard about me on uh, Garage Hammer. So that's always it's always great to hear. I love it. Yeah, remember when you're in the store to tell him, hey, I'm amazed that there's always something happening here. Just make sure that right. I like the code word. So, right. Exactly. all right, Todd, thank you so much, folks. We're gonna be, I'm gonna, we're gonna be, I'm gonna switch back in just a second uh, after this musical interlude, and we will be back. Okay, we are. Back, back with more of the end of enlightenment. So we're done with part one. They're actually going to start marching to war. If uh, we're almost halfway through the book, going to march to war. Part two. Part two, and uh, oh, this is where he starts jumping in there, and this is where he really starts to look into this. Uh, Look into the, you know he's looking into the dark the the death magic to do something because he's knows he's got to save his sister, um, and he actually says to himself, "Is this right? Am I doing what needs to be done or what I want to be done? I must know if it's possible. There's no peace until I know, and knowledge often lies at the end of dark paths." And I just wrote in the notes here: this never ends well, never. Sometimes you got to walk a dark path to get knowledge. This, this never. Once again, it's like they never heard of H.P. Lovecraft in this world. Uh, they've. It's like, have you not? This is just such a bad idea. And a guy who spent all of his life. First of all, you know, we find out later what a, what an incredible warrior he was. But he, you know, even in the beginning, he's studying about 
the Kareth Dune or whatever it's called, the the you know the the um you know the with the spire fall. They almost destroyed themselves. He was part of that whole battle, that whole war. And he's sitting there studying all the stuff that happened that brought them down and how he has to watch and not fall back into that again. And what does he do? He's like, I think I'm just going to go study death magic. I'm just, uh, sometimes I'm just like, wow, this is, this is, and I get it. It's just crazy. He wasn't sure what he was looking for. He would know when he found it. And when I find it, you'll come back to me. I promise I'll save you. So here he is focusing on saving his sister when he's got a war to prosecute. And it's just like, oh, no, this is not good. Yeah, I think maybe the title End of Enlightenment means the fact that both the main characters here just put their selfish needs before everything else. If they both hadn't put their selfish needs before everything else, then... Yeah, and, you know, victory. and that's what I was thinking, too, because I'm like, that's a weird thing to call it, especially since I know kind of how this turns out. Um, and, and I will say, the title is mentioned by name and gets explained right at the end a bit heavy-handedly. I, we won't yeah. get into it, but I'm just like, oh, okay. Like, I, I, And, yeah, that makes total sense, and uh, it was just a – I don't know. I'm not certain. Um. Yeah, here we go. I He's think got- that was probably the second part that upset me more. This part coming up is probably the most annoyed I was about the whole book. Okay. Let's see. He's got a pain stabbing through his head. His eyes felt like burning. For four days, he secluded himself in the archives, hunting through the dust for the remnants of ancient days, searching for what he knew would be better buried and forgotten. He spent hours delving into magical systems that made his skin crawl and that made the shadows in the archive creep nearer as if they were peering over his shoulders at his transgression. Okay, dude, this is, you know... No playing with de- death magic. It actually says here, you shouldn't be doing this. Not necromancy. Not even, you know, the, you, you don't do this. And he keeps telling himself, I'm not supposed to do this. I know I shouldn't do this. I'll do it. It's like, oh. <sighs> and then what happened next? I can't. Uh... Uh, I think this is when he goes to go see the uh, Scythe Cathalia. Oh, yes, this is when he goes to find the Cathalar. Oh, that's right, because uh, I think one of the things that I, we sort of glossed over is they're sort of prepping for war. They know that the Bone Reapers are coming. And so they have a meeting, and, of course, the um, the, the guy you know the, the, the guy who leads the horse riders, he wants to ride out and meet them in battle. Yeah. And, of course, the... the um, you know, the guys who are wielding hammers who are part of the mountain, they want to stay where they are and do defense. They're two completely different battle styles. And they're arguing constantly. And and he's like, uh, you know, and then it, somebody gives him the right hand. He goes, you've got wind and you've got earth and you've got this and you're missing the spirit. And, of course, he's like, now I got to go see so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, so you got to go find. So now we're putting the team together. Now, we're yeah. putting the team together in the second act <laughs> of the book. We're putting the team together. So he's going to go out and find uh, Th- Ther- Theranen. Theranen. Theranen the desolate. Yeah. And he's going out to find her. And they, they were good friends before, but now she's off by herself. Um, 
And then, oh, as he's tra- it's going to take him a week to get to her. And everyone's like, a week? We got to do this. Like, you guys handle this. I got to go do this. I got to get her to show up. Um, it is interesting that as he's going deep into the realm, he's going through all the ruins of the, what is Oh, the Akari Dara, that's what it was called. Yeah, the Akari Dara, the Spyfall. Uh-huh. So he, it, the going through and finding the ruins and seeing that stuff, once again, this is the stuff in this book that's interesting. This is the stuff yeah, in the it, book that really grabs me. Like, this whole section is a case of it's very interesting, and I love the detail lore in it, mm-hmm. but her reaction in this whole thing is just like, this is just – it was expected because it's just a typical – Writing trope, and I'm just like hey. exactly, he goes to see her, and she does what needs to be done. He's got his sister's piece of ether quartz. She sucks all the the sorrow and sadness out of it, and it turns brittle. But he keeps it because it's dependent. He feels better when he leaves, but even she's yeah. like, "Dude, I can see what you're doing." Yeah, she knows exactly what he's gonna do because she can see their spirits, and she's like, "Look." I know what you're. I know what's happening with you. There is a part, and we must have already passed it. I think didn't they pass the part where he sent his spirit out? He astral projected, and they were going across on the boat. Or did we not? Or did we not get to that part yet? Um, because he literally sees Akrados, and he sees his sister's spirit stuck in Akrados, and he knows what's going on. But Akrados also sees him, and they go to attack his body. Except he was astral projecting, so he just snapped back. Oh home. yeah, no, that was that was earlier. That was before they met with Nagash. Yeah, yeah that was yeah that was in the, when they were on their way to meet Nagash, and he was looking for yep. his sister's soul. So here's the thing: while he's out searching for this, he's now given himself away to Akrados and his 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 and his guys, right? He's given his. He's given himself away to Akrados and his guys, uh, and now Akrados knows. And because, because he's got his sister in there, his yeah. blood relative. Now he can see his spirit at a distance. Like he's yeah. like his, his. He actually is all sort of a beacon, and he knows. You know, and I think there's. The light from the sister's soul burns him and causes him pain. And right. then he's like, okay, well, I need to kill this mage that I see mm-hmm. because he's the one that can stop me. And he actually doesn't have a bad plan when he sees where the mage is from and he sees what's going on and he sees that mountain and he knows how important nature and yeah. stuff is. And he's like, I'm going to trash that mountain. He's like, what is it? We're going to trash the mountain. The light of Eltharion will come to us if we're making this, wreaking this much havoc in Hish. So yeah. the plan itself is not a bad plan. No. But he's so focused on I have to kill this one mage because this is burning and I want to get rid of this. And once again, the mage is like, I got to kill him and get my sister out. So they're both focusing on the wrong thing and it's causing havoc. And it's kind of taking a long time for them both to figure it out. Um, Plus, she, you know, he meets her and she's like, she, she, she takes away the sorrow and she takes away the pain and he feels more balanced and he feels better. But she's like, but you're not balanced because I know what you're doing. Cut it out. And he's like, so are you going to join us? No, not now. I'll be there when the, mo-. it's like, she's pulling a Gandalf. Look for me on yeah, dawn of the yeah. fourth day. Um, okay. And that's, that's the one thing I really didn't like about this. It was, it's just, that was it's just like, oh, come on. All she would have had to say is, I know what you're going to do. Don't do it. Just focus on the task at hand, and he would be like, oh, okay, sure. Well, no, she did, and she did tell him that, and he didn't listen, but it was like, I know you won't listen to me, but she's also not coming back, so you're supposed to do this whole thing where it gets bad and you kind of forget about her, and then she'll show up at the right moment, and I'm like, except I never forgot about her because I've seen that trope before. 
So now we're moving through, and um, I like that uh, the, 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 like the place never goes completely dark, and the light is actually sort of painful to the Bone Reapers because it is such a cleansing, purifying light. That it just it makes them uncomfortable walking through it, which I thought was a really neat touch, something very cool. It's like it's not killing them, but it's yeah. I noticed they're doing a lot of that type of thing, like uh, with Broken Realms, uh, the last one, Bellacor, oh Bellacor, uh, like when the Seraphon go through to the uh, eight points. Oh you know, yeah, when, you know the realm starts reacting to them, starts you know hurting them, but. Yeah, every yeah. step in that place is painful because it's all yeah. dark chaos magic. It's the it's the antithesis yeah. of them. That's very neat. Yeah. And this is the reverse. This is death coming through, and uh-huh. the light hurts them to the point. Um, I did find it interesting that the the perfect, beautiful symmetry of the elvish realm bothers all of them. Because they are not perfectly symmetrical, they are a hodgepodge. They are they are uh, they are uh, they are bits of everything cobbled together to make this new thing. But it's definitely not perfect and balanced and unified. And it 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 actually it makes him uncomfortable. Which again reminded me of like when when humans whenever they describe stuff like that non Euclidean geometry, it's like you know when they talk about the the, the realms of the outer space from like why well, I, I always go back to Call of Cthulhu, but. How when you see stuff that is just so anathema to the way you build stuff, how it literally makes you uncomfortable. And it was just, I thought that was great. The strange geometries um, um, unsettled him. And once again, it's Kathanos who's like, you don't like their art style. This is their artistic aesthetic of this perfect balance and unity. And we, this is not how we do things. And it's bothering you. And I just love that, that, I mean, even if you sort of took, I don't. I mean, I don't know. I haven't read. Um, I haven't read Richard Strachan's other books, so I don't know where he takes his influences and stuff from. But this guy really reminds you of Thrawn in so many ways, with just that looking yeah. at their art and defining them by their art and picking them apart and understanding them. Um, yeah, he's the actually you got to understand your enemy to defeat your enemy. Yeah, but he just thinks, oh no, I'm just tactics is what defeats the enemy, not understanding the enemy. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's also interesting how, um, you know, they've got this town, they could go around the town and he's like, nah, we're going to wipe it out. We're going to make an example of it. Um, leave one alive and destroy the rest, which I got to say, they attack this city and they leave the one elf alive. You know, they're going to destroy the rest. Agrodos is getting all excited because the battle's happening and he just loves being in the middle of the battle. Um, he charges in. They kill everything in the city except for one elf who basically and he's like, run, run and tell them about me. Run and do this. And he's like, yeah, no, I'd rather just die. I'm not going to. No, you're not. I'm, yeah. not, and that, I'm not doing that. And I thought that was great. In fact, he says, think on this undead scum. Barely 2000 of our troops held up 10 times that number, 20 times that number. When you meet us in power, you will be utterly destroyed. Like this elf is having none of his nonsense. He's like, I am not afraid of you. I'm not afraid to die. And if you think you can beat us, you're an idiot. And Agados, to his credit, later in the book is like, you know, 2000 of them did hold up like, you know, like 10 times their number. We these these elves are far more deadly than they seem. And I'm like, "Okay, at least you're learning." Um 
But we go in, you know, and and again, it's must. Yeah, here it is, page one fifty. Okay, um, Alethwi's there. Kareth is there. They've got their plans together. Kareth doesn't seem well, and it's because. And he tells him he's got this whole plan, and he's focusing this one huge spell. Yeah. And we know that this one huge death spell is basically he's going to try to pull his sister's soul out of this guy so he could save what's left of her soul and let her rest in peace, which is not the job. Okay, Teclas gave him a job. That's not the job. You already know he's going to fail at this. Something's going to go wrong because he can't do this. This is not what he's supposed to do. Um, But as... The Bone Reapers are coming through, like I said, page 150 out of 267 pages. The dawn breaks and the armies are put together. And finally, Kareth's army is marching to war. 60% of the way through the book. Now we're going to start to do this. We've done all this mustering. And once again, as I think you said it best. It's the pacing of this is driving yeah. me insane. Yeah, it's just it's just slightly off. That's the thing. Too much. It, it, it part of it is, is is we're laying out all of these characters and all of these situations. Yeah. And I've seen them all before. Yeah. And because I I know where this book is going, pretty much at this point, like I know what's going to happen. Without the the finest of the fine details, the broad strokes, I know what's going to happen. And it's taking it for me. It's taking too darn long to get there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now he does actually. Um, the Kareth, to his credit, finally finally apologizes to Deannis about the, the what he said to him in, in like in the in chapter two about his sister. Um. You know, and even here, like I said, in this here is one of the examples of where I realize he's completely off base. And all I wrote on here was, "Come on, they're getting ready." Belfinnin's there. He's like, "Are we ready, Stone Mage?" These, you know, we should go out and get him, and everyone's ready to go. And he looks out at them and it says, "Speeches were a good thing at a time like this. Inspiring words, something to stir the blood and quieten the fear." These elves he saw had no need of fine words. They were ready. They would follow him no matter what he said. No speech. Just like, let's go. And it's like, wait, you just built up a speech. And I'm like, come on. Like this, Kareth is so making every wrong decision. I'm starting to get irritated. Like literally the last sentence of this chapter says, he marched not to destroy his enemies, but save his sister's soul. And I'm like, how can you be this dumb? I mean, in such the anti-Luminous way. Exactly. It's like you literally sat there and you've been, I mean, since you stopped being a warrior, since war, you know, he was starting to, he was starting to, and you find out he basically stopped doing all the fighting because it was getting out of his control. He was becoming, he was fighting so much uh, and he was becoming too enamored with it. He was becoming too brutal. I think he was also starting to enjoy it too much as well was the big thing, which is... You know, when you start enjoying things too much, uh, a chaos god likes to pop up, and you know. <laughs> and that one in particular, we all know that Slanesh and the elves have a history. So I get why he's doing that, but then it's like, can you be that smart and have done all that and now be this stupid? And that's the part that gets to me. So chapter twelve, we get to the battle, 
And they're getting there, and there's refugees running because their bone reapers are coming, and these are the ones who can't fight or running. And they go up, and they get to this pass. Um, I actually was not certain if they could because they said the pass was no more than a half mile wide at its broadest point, vaguely concave lawn of yellowing. So they're into this place. It's almost leaf-shaped. Yeah. And they're at the yeah. wide part of it, and the uh, undead are coming in at the narrow part of the leaf, the tip. And they're trying to get there first so they can get in and pick their spot and get ready. Um, I actually was worried because we've read, especially if you read Techless, you know, these guys can, their horses can run up, you know, basically straight up vertical cliffs and stuff like that. So I was like, oh, this this place is probably not going to hold them off as well as you'd think. Um, it turns out it does. Like, they really do. They basically get them into a bottleneck. Where their numbers don't come into play as well, um, and yeah, it's a very three hundred. Yeah, when you think about, yeah. uh huh, exactly. That's what I was thinking too. Um, and then, you know, Alithis, who is the his, uh, you know, the stone the stone mage, you know, the why do I keep forgetting their names? The Hammer Bros. She's the charge of those guys. Stone guard. Stone guard. Yeah. Um, his stone guard ally. She's sitting there. She's his second command. She's like, we need to be there. We need to move in, not let these guys coming through any further in. Kareth said, we'd be at risk of letting them outflank us. Take my word. If we're going to make a stand, here's the place. If, why do I have the horrible feeling you have something else in mind? Like she can even tell he's not on the same page as everybody. And he's telling her, just hold the line, hold the line. And when when the time's right, I'll, I'll have the spell ready to do this. And basically we get into a pretty interesting battle here and they're doing really well in the battle. This battle is pretty well described. It's pretty interesting. It's working. They're actually doing this. Um, and then he tries to do his spell and pull his sister's soul out. And guess what? He can't do it. Because, what a twist. Yeah. <laughs> you, like, how did you not know this? Is, like, I mean, I, I mean, I just, I knew he, this, this, they literally went through saying, this is not how elves do magic. You can't, you shouldn't be doing this. This is not your, ma-. and guess what? He couldn't get the, the death spell to work properly. He started to pull her soul out, which which caused Akron so much pain. But it was also destroying his sister's soul. Like the only way to actually purge it was to destroy it. So of course, as he gets it close, he realizes he can't do it and the spell falls apart. And now he spent all this time doing this, which means he's not actually doing any of the the tactician work, what he should be doing. Right. And you know? and they start to get their butts handed to them. Yeah. And they start like, dying. They've got a retreat. And this is before the time when they realize we need to start burning the bodies. You know, they have to do a quick retreat. Yeah. I mean, and I think at this point, they had, some of them had realized you got to burn. The, but they just, they, like you said, they couldn't because they had to retreat. No. I think the coolest thing in this whole battle, though, I'm just going to throw this up there, is when Agrados is trying to get through with his... With his, with his uh, cavalry, yeah, and it's it's packed in so tight he can't. And the elves are attacking, and they're attacking, and they're attacking, and they're just killing, and they're killing, and they're killing. They're doing a great job, and then he screams to his Mortec guard, and he goes, "Flat, lay down." And they do. They're all fighting, and then they just all lay down flat on their bellies. 
and and of course he doesn't care if he runs them over because they're not like normal people. He nice. he the he's got his cavalry behind this huge thing and they're stuck. So he just tells them to lay down and they lay down, and he just runs his cavalry right over them. And most of them get crushed by the cavalry and killed. And who cares? Because they're just going. He's going to bring his his uh, the, the guy and the blip 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 blip. And the soul masons are going to come in. And the the guy with the fingers on the top of his head is just recrafts them. And I'm like, yeah. that is brilliant. That is a tactic you could not use in any other army. Because it, so I love to see that tactic in like tabletop as well. You yeah. Know? It's crazy, and I was like, "Oh, this is really cool!" And he runs over them, and then after he charges over them, he's like, "Okay." And the ones who weren't destroyed got back up and started fighting. And the ones who were destroyed, his guys behind him, weaving them back into. I'm like, "That is the coolest. That is the coolest thing that happened in this. Ba- oh, second coolest thing that happened in the battle." Um. Oh, this is where he sees them, and they start, to, and they, and they, they, they can't. He. You know he can't get them. Uh, he can't get his sister out, and this is the point. Um, I like the fact that um, Deannis knew exactly what he was going to do too, and he's like, "I'm fine with this. Do whatever you need to." Yeah, Just get it done. Because he want because he so desperately felt guilty that she died when he yeah. realized what was going on. He was okay with it because it, it, it would it would it would assuage some of his guilt too. Which, when he's working off of guilt and not off of duty, you see how screwed up this gets. Um, the only really cool thing, the, the super cool thing that happens is as they're retreating, um, Kareth turns around and basically rips the the earth right out from behind them and and, and builds a giant towering uh, uh, elf rune out of stone that blocks the entire half mile wide spot that they're retreating through. So a towering 50 foot tall, half mile wide set of elf runes that they can't break through because as he tries to mold something from bone to break through it, it keeps falling apart because the actual rune is emanating that sort of magic and keeping them blocked. And this stupid earth rune that he pulled up, I mean, I call it an earth rune because he pulled it up out of the ground and formed it out of the stone from this past. It holds them back for three days before they're able to crack through it. That's about the that co- spell. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. He can he like he's a stone mage, right? He floats on the rock while they're fighting, right? You mean to tell me you got into this battle and they started bringing guys in and you can pick up entire 50-foot-high, half-mile-wide pieces of rock and you didn't just pull up half the ground and just flatten the whole... Like, why didn't you just crush them flat? Why didn't you just pull off big pieces of, 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 of... and just smash them with the earth itself? Open it up and crush them. If they're crushed flat underneath, they can't... They, they, it's going to be take time to... Re, I mean... This just shows, A, the kind of strength that this stone mage has. And what he he could have won his battle right there. Yeah. But he was so stupid. Yeah. Um, he was selfish, prideful, and ambitious. Yeah, exactly. But I sat there going, wow. And, I mean, here's the thing. This can't be something the other elves there had never seen before. Because none of them seemed particularly shocked by what had happened. Which means that 
the entire battle when he's not doing this and they're like, what's going on? He's like, another minute, I'm building the spell. Like, I would be, if I was one of these elves, I'd be so livid at him that he wasn't doing this in the beginning of the fight. Like, it just, this made no sense to me. It was like, I know you want to save your sister, but man, why didn't you just, you know, crush 80% of the army and then you can capture this guy or do something. And I realize it's a hard spell and you got to focus it because it's not your own magic, it's death magic. That just makes it all the more irritating and stupid. Uh, and just before that wall came up as well, like, Akinos is, like, gaining on Cathedral and Dianus dies yeah. protecting him like yeah there goes you know you pretty much use this poor kid this young luminous you know made mm-hmm. him feel guilty got into a greedier plan and then and he then was he, willing to die he you, dies like, to save your life because he didn't yeah. save your sisters and he's so exhausted from this stupid death magic spell because he's starting to look old his skin is starting to look papery and stuff like that as that they throw him on belfinian uh over uh, with him on his steed and they just tell him and and Alithis, the uh stone guard leader the seneschals is like run him back to the temple now just get him back there and he takes off on his horse and takes him back while the rest of them are doing a well or and the, the well organized retreat was really cool especially when Akrodos is looking at it going wow that's really clever like he's like i've never seen such a well organized retreat like they are executing this perfectly uh and he's giving them a lot of credit for how perfect their formations and their retreat is but that's the end of part 2 we're down to the last 80 pages of this book, and they've lost the huge battle. And this is where it takes them. They're, they're talking about how three days it's taking them to break through. And um, Kathanos is fighting with Akrodos now because Kathanos is on that same level as him. And Kathanos is like, look, yes, I'm, uh, you know, I'm putting together the body, but he's like, why don't we just go around this? And he's like, it'll take too long. He's like, but this is a bad, and they're constantly fighting. And this is an interesting point where Akronos is like, I'm going to have to deal with this guy at some point because he's just not, and all Kathanos is saying, he's like, you are obviously obsessed with this other elf and you are not following Nagash's will. And he's like, don't tell me about his will. I'm going to get through here. I'm going to get to that mountain and I'm going to do exactly what he told me. He's like, that's so not the plan. Yeah, I think this is the part where he also starts, no, because if I don't get rewarded for this, this is mine now. This is my land. Like, yes. He starts getting ambitious, you know, diverting from the plan. And another fact here I really like is the fact is the bone shapers, like, they have to reduce their army to bones to create these, like, giant spears to start breaking through the wall. Yeah. Or and even then they have to reform them again. <laughs> or when they were when they when they had to go over the water when they had to get to Nagash, yeah. that was the coolest thing. I'm going to reshape these guys into the boats, and then these guys look. It's it we it's much simpler here. What here's what we do. Everybody go put all your weapons in that part of the boat, and they just stack all their weapons, and then he disassembles them. And so he just stacks bones because it's easier to just stack bones than to have all of these guys standing there because that is not space efficient. It's crazy the way that they constantly are reshaping all of these guys. Uh, And I I really do enjoy that. Um, And then then the biggest end of this chapter is the fight between the two of them where... um, he tells Akrodos, he's just like, 
And he even tells him. And here's here's where you knew this guy was going to die because he's like, look, not only are you sort of going off on your own, but we're we're serving the gash, okay? And you you know, uh, you know, you don't get to claim all this for yourself. And he goes, um, he's he tells him. I will remind he who has given us this dread unlife that there are some among his ranks who feel it is a privilege they can claim for their own. What Nagash gives, he can certainly take away. So he basically tells him that, listen, when we get back there, I'm telling Nagash that you're kind of being a tool and you're acting like like you have your own say and you have the say. You know what? I mean, once again, this guy's obviously never, you know, he's never seen a movie either because you don't tell your rival who is obviously off kilter and doing the wrong thing, that as soon as we get back, I'm telling the boss. Because this is a recipe to get yourself murdered. Which and goes, being the gash, wouldn't he already know anyway that this is what he's doing? You would think. Nagash knows everything. Like, he, he makes sure he knows everything. Like, keeps track of his little minions. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. Um, meanwhile, while they're getting past, they've already, everyone's gotten back to the temple. They know, they don't know how long it's going to take the bone reapers to get through the pass. They just know that it's going to, that they've slowed them down a bit. They've got to get ready for their last battle. Um, meanwhile, Elithis, you know, the, the Seneschal and, um, Belfinian, they go off to mourn, uh, Deanus. Deanus, because, and Belfini has actually become good friends with him, and they both feel bad. And they go and they climb the mountain to mourn him, just like Kareth uh, went to climb to mourn his sister. Um, the interesting thing is, um, oh, they talk about there's some stuff there. He asks her what her art is, and he because he writes poetry. He's like, I haven't written him a poem yet, but I will write a poem for him. And she tells him she makes music, and he's like, oh, that's interesting. Um, but Kareth goes up there, and he's trying to go up there and find wisdom from the mountain. And as he's climbing, the mountain itself, like, it, the, the path becomes more treacherous. Uh, before, he just walked up and went right to where he had to be. Now the rocks are constantly stumbling beneath his feet. And basically, what happens is the mountain starts shifting and throwing him off because the mountain knows, the spirit of the mountain knows He's abandoned his principles and his ideals, and he was, he's got this taint of death magic on him now. And it literally creates an avalanche and knocks him off the mountain, like almost kills him. Yeah, and then he starts like begging the mountain to forgive him. And, you know, you don't understand. I had to do it for my sister. And the mountain's just like, no, no. Yep, and the mountain does. Done. Yeah, and he, he gets up there and he's crying because he's like the, the mountain has rejected him. Death beat him. Um, then you get here's a really nice touch. Belfinian's been hitting on Elithis the whole time. She's just totally put off by him, but he's been hitting on her the whole time, and they've been chatting. And they, they you know, they went up there and they mourned that guy together. They've become sort of close. So she hears this noise and she sees this light and she goes out of her room like, and it's late at night and there's a candle out there and a bottle of the wine that he really likes and he always carries with him, and a poem. And she reads the poem and sees it and brings and leaves the candle out there burning and takes in the takes in the wine. There's this. This is one of the better parts of the story with the character development is this bond that's building between these two very opposite type of elves. Yeah, and what and they do. It's just these little details as well that just help build a character, like help the book along as mm-hmm. well. So, mm-hmm. 
And see, I actually start to care more about these characters than I do about Karath. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's made so many stupid mistakes. He was like, really? Here we go again. What's he going to do now? And I find it interesting when we get into this next part where um, you've got... Uh, it talks about how it starts off saying how Akrodos is obviously not the only army invading Hish. He knows this. Everybody knows this. But he's sitting here going, yes, but my part is one of the most important. I have yeah. to stop the – and stopping the light of Eltharian, that is a huge ask. I mean, you're. this is one of the – you know, it is an important mission, but um, – I mean, not even Arkhan could stop the light of Eltharian. Like – yeah, you but stopped, I mean, you yeah. think about it. <laughs> well, he did before. He stopped the real Eltharian before. Oh, he did so. stop the real one. Yes, that's true. But. Um, there is a cool, like an inner monologue going on with Akrodos, though, saying how, you know, this all depends on me. I know this depends on me because Nagash talked to me personally. And I'm wondering if Nagash did talk to everyone personally because he's got that power and he's talking to, you know, that, that spirit of the God looking out and everyone thinks he's talking directly to them. I just did every, does, cause this kind of messes with him. Like when he, even when everyone's pointing out, you know, you're not really following the plan. He's like, Oh, I must be. I know that this is important because Nagash told me personally Do any of the other generals are any of the other people there having this bit of a delusion like they're maybe a little more important than they think because he talked directly to them i think it comes down to the fact that he's he he has the soul of a very ambitious king maybe and that's that the is prominent the main soul that drives him because that's the soul that you, it's like the war aspect yeah so i think because of that fact he thinks that no he's nagash is giving him this destiny that and then, as he said, uh, yeah, I think this is the part where he says that um, even if Nagash doesn't remind me, I'll take what I want. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that does not end well for anyone that works for Nagash. No, never. Um, it is interesting as he's marching through the through the trying to catch up, and he's going through the remnants of some of the the spirefall, like the ruins and stuff, and he starts to see the destruction where they all almost destroyed themselves, and he's like. Wow, what exactly went on here? Like, even he's looking at this all going, what is hap- Like, what happened with these people? That they- And who are they that they can cause this much devastation? Like, you got to have a little respect for the elves. Love them or hate them. You may be, you know, you don't may not like to play them in the game, or you might think that elves aren't the cool thing. You want to play a different army. These guys are powerful, uh, and they hold it back a lot. They show some restraint, which is crazy. Um he does call a meeting now of all of his little guys who are supposed to work with him. He leaves Kathanos out of the meeting, and the bone shaper, the one bone shaper guy, was like, um, uh, Morphilos. Morphilos is like, isn't he supposed to be here? And he's like, yeah, dude, don't worry about that. You guys are all tools in my toolbox, and he's a tool I don't need anymore. And he looks around to see how they react to that, and they're all like, okay, you're the boss. And he's like, all right, now I know. And um, the best part is when uh, Catholic finally shows up. And he's like, are you having a meeting without me? And he's like, yeah, I don't need you. And he's like, um, you seem to forget we are on equal footing. You do not. You are not in charge. I am not in charge. We are equals. And he's like, oh, really? And then he cuts his head off. <laughs> and his Mortec guard, his personal bodyguard go and hack his body to little t- 
tiny chunks. He cuts his head off, and he says, destroy, leave me the skull. And later he rides through the rest of the battle like crazy Hamlet, oh, with Yorick. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a leather strap through his eye sockets, and he's got the skull strapped to his side to bring it with him. And it's not just destroy his body. It's like destroy his throne, like the thing that he rides around on. Like, right. I want no trace. Like, And it's not even recycle it. I want it into dust. Like, yeah. nothing left. That was great. And, of course, after he does that, it cuts back to – it cut, cuts back to uh, – uh, Kareth gets, gets back home after being thrown off the mountain and almost killed. And he's ashamed and he's saying, I can't do this. And basically his best friends are like, look, you, you, you did something really dumb. Of course this happened. But Teclas picked you for a reason. You, you know, snap out of it. That's basically what they all tell him. And he's like, oh, I don't know that I can. I don't know that. And then, of course, then Theranin shows up. And literally says, Stone Mage, my old friend, time is shorter than you think. Uh, didn't I, did I not say I would return to you when I was needed most? And I'm just like, blargy, blarg, blarg. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. So now I do like the fact that she sends him back to the mountain. But I think it's like, you know, you got to talk to the mountain directly. This was a really, this actually was interesting. Um, if not something I, I feel like I'd seen before. Um, but... He always climbs up to the top of the mountain, right? Whenever he goes to do stuff, he's always climbing to the top of the mountain. And she's like, no, no, no. You got to go to the base of the mountain now. Yeah. The mountain has rejected you. You got to get to the roots of this problem by going to the roots of the mountain, which is very literal but works. Of course, he climbs down there and he's heard of you know stories of other wizards or other mages went down there and were never seen again. Ooh, it's dangerous. So he travels down into this cavern inside the roots of the mountain and he finds this old crazed looking mage. Uh, you know, his eyes are all wide. He's eating bugs. Uh, his skin is all pale. I mean, he does everything short of go golem. You know, like I'm like, okay, I've seen this before. And of course, it goes there and the thing attacks him and he's fighting it. And he realizes, of course, that he's actually Luke Skywalker on Dagobah. <laughs> <laughs> and as he fight, because he's not fighting a monster, these are the worst aspects of himself, which is exactly what she told him. You have to face the worst aspects of yourself and accept them. So instead of fighting it, he says that you're me, and he holds him in like a hug. And once again, this the whole fight, it was... It was Frodo and Gollum. It was Luke fighting himself and fighting Darth Vader and seeing the mask explode and be his own face. It's Black Panther against Killmonger. It's 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 Ant Man against Yellow Jacket. It's that same on same fight where it's and I as soon as he was down there, I'm like, that is not some crazy old wizard from the ages. Like it was this <laughs> this you know, they told you, Oh, hey, there's a guy down there, we never saw him again and I'm like, Okay, but I've read a book, I know what this is. Yeah. Um, if they let if it started earlier, like there's a crazy wizard in the mountain, you'd be like, Oh, okay. That'd be interesting, you know, build up to it. But the moment he stepped down, and like, there's a crazy wizard. I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh-huh. We know exactly what's going to happen here. And then he goes in, and after he after he makes peace with his worst parts, he apologizes to the mountain. Says, "Look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fight for you. 
you know, if you want to kill me, you still will have the opportunity, but I'm going to do this. And the mountain sort of lets him out and doesn't crush him in the cave. And then he walks out and he's, he's glowing again. What a shock. Yeah, he got his mountain mojo back. Exactly. And it, it, literally the last sentence is like, they were going to win. And I was just like, you know, I hear the Rocky music playing. Like, you know what's going to happen. And so then we get into the last couple chapters. And, of course, you know, he comes riding in. He's glowing. Everybody's ready. They're ready to fight. They get out there and they're doing their thing. And, and, and basically, Akrodos doesn't stand a chance because he... He is still focused on killing this mage and stopping the pain inside him, which is not the... And he's actually winning in the beginning and talking to the head of the other guy. He's like, see, I told you I knew what I was doing. And it's like, wow, you've gone completely bananas at this point. He's gone, I didn't think that the undead could go completely over the deep end. Completely over the deep end. Um, and the, the battle actually is pretty... Interestingly described, a lot of lot of the fights going on, um, and look he uh, oh and look he comes riding up and just crushing stuff with rocks like in stones like doing all this stuff. Um, it's it's basically a really well timed, well executed battle. Um, it becomes so one sided. And if I want to make another reference here, here comes two who were equals before. And Akrodos has Akrodos has more troops, more everything. He's coming in to crush it, and 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 um, and, and Kareth almost dies. You know, except his friend, that girl who knew him, that girl elf, she shows up. I told you I'd show up when I because you go into the mountain and you bathe yourself because I know a secret. You're the one. And then he stands up and he can see the matrix and he stops all the bullets. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's, and then don't get me wrong. Yeah. There are parts of this book, that, but it's just, this is the beef I had with this book is it's ev I've, every single fantasy trope. They did everything except show up at the beginning. If it, The only way they could have been more tropish is if Kareth was sitting at a tavern in some in some small elvish city and a different wizard showed up and been like, you've got to come with me. You're the one who's got to stop. Like that's the only way this could have been a bigger trope is if it started at a tavern and someone came in looking for elvish adventurers. Um, because it but is, I do like there was one aspect in this final battle. I really enjoyed was when they threw the, um, a fake retreat again. Oh, Yes. I could also just like, yeah, no, I don't care. We're marching forward. We're winning. And then a surprise guest shows up to just actually just crush the Bone Reapers. Okay. That was cool. Uh, but yeah. I, I was waiting for this the whole book. Um, and this was this was the best part of the battle. You're right. Um, they do the fake retreat. They're come rushing in. And they've here's the thing. They've already, like, he's like, when when he sends in his, his, uh, his cavalry on the, on the left flank, the, even he says that tall grass, it's coming up to the bottom of the horse's body. Like it's, it's, it's almost horse high, this grass, when the, when the elves are riding through it. Eh, watch out for traps. They probably dug trenches or so, something's going to happen. Okay, we'll watch for it. Ride straight into it. Like all the elves pop up and start peppering them with arrows. And it's like, are you joking? Literally said just watch for it. They trash them. Then they do the, every move 
every single and if this guy was the warrior that he was up until now he sh- I think by the time of this, I'm like, you know what, Akronos, you kind of sucked. I don't know how you were a king for so many years. I don't know how you were a <laughs> warlord because you suck. You were the worst. And eventually the fake retreat, and for anyone who doesn't know what's coming, they live by a mountain with Stone Guard. Who do you think is showing up? Finally, the spirit of the mountain walks out, and all the undead go, holy crap, what is that? It's a 30, 40-foot giant mountain like it's walking it's got mountain stuff growing out of it uh i do love the descriptions of how he swings that that hammer and deletes entire units and i'm like i've done that on the table that works like i've (laughs) seen him do that um and it that is really cool the the him running running through and then he gets to the end and it's not even completely over but it's so over that he just goes back to the mountain to go back to sleep he's like all right you got this like he was you know that was cool but it really did just i mean for a battle that was so interestingly described and so much stuff it was so one-sided and so predictable that it was just, it wasn't satisfying. No, and considering at the start of the book, Akados is this amazing general tactician. You know, he's uh-huh. he he helps defeat the owls at the start. He's like crushing all these things, and you're like, this is great. And then right at the end, he's just like, let's just charge them all. Yeah. Uh, Exactly, and 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 the whole thing is is Kareth has got all this stuff. He's got to learn. He's got, and then he goes under the mountain and walks out, and he is he's 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 become, he's walked out, and he's the one. We will win. And once he says that, it was like there was never any point where it looked like they might not. Um, and then the epilogue is one of the best parts. You know, they're all kind of coming through on it. Uh, Belfinian had Belfinian actually got knocked off his horse, and his horse landed on him and almost died. And uh, uh, they they came in and saved him. Uh, the horse, I think, died, and they actually have a funeral for the horse. Yes, that's in and that's in the the uh, the epilogue as well. They they buried the horse right where he fell. Yeah. And they put it there, and he actually cries and says how he's lost a lot of friends, but he raised that horse from when he was a colt, and the, he rode with that horse, and the horse and him found the horse's name together. Like so, he yeah. was so bonded with this animal. And see, there's little tidbits like that, you know, like the Dawn Riders that have this connection to their horses. They raise their horses, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like a piece of them dies when the horse dies. It's just these little tidbits are fantastic, but. Yeah, and then you get there where even the stone mage, like he's he's putting his stuff together and she's like, Are you you're leaving? And he's like, Yeah, I'm gonna you know, uh Theranen has gone back to the Valley of Desolation and I'm gonna go with her, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna get myself balanced and stuff like that, and you guys can keep doing this. Um yeah, and here we got this part. Elithis uh, uh, dropped her gaze. The thought should have worried her, but strangely she found a sense of resolution and fear. I feared the Bone Reapers would be the end of enlightenment in this realm, and in a way I was right. So that's that. this is Kareth talking. Kareth tells yeah. her, and, and you see that, and it's like, oh, yeah, if they would have destroyed you, then yes, all the all the all the beautiful things you had made would come to nothing. But she goes, I don't understand. The end of something can also mean its purpose, its ultimate condition. Their invasion has shown us that enlightenment must have its utility as well. So basically, this is the end of enlightenment, as in, and this is where the book says, it you know, the sitting and studying and waiting 
This is over. You are as enlightened as you're going to be. Now you have to be more a part of the mortal realms. The elves have to take to the field and fight and become a part of this bigger battle. They can't be isolationist anymore. So the uh, the age of their enlightening themselves is done. They have to take that enlightenment now and put it to someone. I'm like, oh, that's so heavy-handed. <laughs> I mean, I really wish they ended it with Nagash just stepping through the portal and saying, okay, my turn. That would have been great, especially since you read about Teclas, you know. But yeah. if he steps through the portal, then you're expecting another book. So here they've yeah, got true. all of this happening. <laughs> but yeah, this was really cool. And once again, uh, you know what? We're going to have to take our last break. And um, when we come back, we're going to wrap up, give final thoughts, and give all that stuff. So we're going to take one more break, and then we will be uh, we'll be back, folks. Are you finally looking to start your rebasing project? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some new and interesting resin terrain? Six Squared Studios. Are you looking for some fancy acrylic counters to keep track of wounds or maybe some other statistical anomalies? Six Squared Studios. Maybe you need a new rack for your paint? Six Squared Studios. Well then look no further. What you need is Six Squared Studios. They ship worldwide with domestic shipping for both the U.S. and Canada. Six Squared Studios. That's right, Six Squared Studios. That's the number six, squaredstudios.ca. When your gaming needs go beyond your basic dice, tape measure, models, and paints, think Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios. Now all your base are belong from them. I mean, yep. We are back, and thank you all for sticking with and uh, and listening. We had that whole thing in there with um, uh, Todd from Grognards. Check out Grognards. It's awesome. But that's not the point right now. The point right now is Andrew and I have gone through this book, and we're kind of wrapping it up. And so, like I said, I think we've, we've, we've hit most of the points, but if, if you had something you really wanted to just just hit on on this book what would it what would it be andrew um i really love the little nuances and tidbits within the book about the owls you know like how they have like they're not just like warriors they're actually like artists or poets and then they train to be warriors they all train to be warriors but they all have this other thing it's just the little tidbits like that i really enjoyed um, and I, I love the start of the book. I thought that was fantastic. It just the slow pacing, just in the middle, it's just slightly off. I, I, I'd say a little more than slightly. Um, <laughs> you, on, this this book was a bit of a slog because the best parts about it, like you said, was the world building parts. The yeah. best parts about this story weren't parts of the actual story. Yeah, I think because we expect more world building in these novels as well to help, because we only get like a army book, like 
and that's what we've got to go mm-hmm. off. I mean, we need these novels to help fill the gaps. Yeah, but we've read other books that fill in gaps in the story that were really quite exciting, and the story itself was an interesting, well-put-together piece. And yeah. the problem is, like I said, and I said it earlier, and I'll say it again, I never felt the stakes were there. I knew when they went up to that first battle they were going to fail, and they'd have to redeem themselves. Um and at the end, like I said, I was I was so expecting that his sister, like Akronos, would have some sort of upper hand, and his sister's soul would reach up and 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 distract him long enough for Kareth to get that that final move in, and she would save the brother who was kind of a jerk to her his whole life anyway. Uh, and you know, to his credit, that that nonsense did not happen. Um, but then. It, it couldn't happen because Agrados at the end had literally no chance. No, there, there was no. It, he, apparently he just he lost how to win a war or make a war. He just it was like the last game of a five game tournament. And he just wanted to roll dice and just see what happened and just last, charge everything for it. Last game of a five game tournament. There you go. But the problem is, it's the last game of a five game tournament, and he's got and he he's been. You know, to this point, he's been doing very well, and it's just like suddenly he decided he didn't care. Almost, yeah. it's just ugh. I mean, that's like <sighs> Belfinian, uh, Alethis, those characters, the things they were doing, the the things the mountain was doing. When the mountain is more interesting than your main character. There's a problem, and that's my beef. Don't get me wrong. I love Black Library books. Anybody who listens to this show knows it, and I'm not, I'm not, just this one, I, I'm, I won't be reading it again. I'll say it that much. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not one I'm going to come back to because the the main story was nowhere near as int- like if if I rewrote this I'd want to I'd want a lot more about these other characters because these 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 main two and I see what he was trying to do they were on parallel paths and the elf guy figured it out and got his stuff together and saved the day and the other guy couldn't and I just I've seen it before and it yeah and and it's not just because I've seen it because. If you've ever listened to the stuff when, when Greg, Dan, and I used to cover the Horus Heresy books on After Olinor, I've seen a lot of that stuff, too. But that stuff was delivered in a way that felt fresh and felt interesting and felt like there was real something on the table to be lost. And this, I never got that. And that's, I hate to be negative, but that's just where I was at with this. I couldn't help it. Yeah, it was just. It was just following the motions, really, and that's just the unfortunate thing. Now, if it just stuck to those little bits that grew on those little bits, it would have been, you know, like uh, Lord Balafin. Like, I wanted to know more about his backstory. Like, yeah, Yeah. apparently he did all these campaigns, but I'm like, what happened? You know, why is he like this? Right, and then the few times you'd see that break in the character where he looked really angry or he looked really sad, and then they just jumped away from it. And it's like, yeah. oh my God, no! You're giving me something so interesting here, and I think, I think, I think you hit on it. And I, I, God, I forgot something you had just said—a description you gave that was so perfect. And I just, I, I lost it when we started talking about Bill Finian. But it, it's, it's, it's literally that, uh, I, you know, it's 
the story itself of them defending the mountain and him coming through is not a bad story per se. It's just, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's, I, it's just, it's, like I said, I'm looking forward to reading the next one for the Soul Blight Gravelords because these usually, uh, they're usually, I like these usually quite a bit more. Um, but like I said, outside the timing of, of the, the timing of the book was also I found a bit strange as well. It's the fact that it's using all the older models, but it's released around the same time as um, in Broken Realms. So I'm thinking, why isn't it? Why didn't they throw in a couple of the new things, like just to kind of spruce it up a bit? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, bring. Yeah, they, there was none of the hurricane mages. There was none of that stuff. Well, let's face it. If they would have brought in too many of the new guys and the yeah, wind that's riders, true. they're already. I mean, they crushed him at the end. They it wasn't even it wasn't even a contest. Like you didn't need any of that new stuff because the guys these guys had so much plot armor it was ridiculous. Like they really did. I think uh, I figured it out. So the start is actually the Bone Reapers when they got released. And then the end of it is when the Bone Reapers actually got FAQ'd. <laughs> I think that's what happened. I think you might be right. That's a great description. That just hits it. Because oh. they're overpowered at the start, and then suddenly they just And then suddenly it's, it. yeah, uh, wait, who are these guys? Because I'm not impressed anymore. I am no longer impressed by you. Oh, oh well, okay. Um, yeah, that was, ugh, I, I'm, I don't know. Well, you know what? Either way, what are you going to do? Um, folks, I think that's it. I think we're done. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening and, uh, Hey, hopefully, you know, I've given you enough where, you know, you, and you can make your own decision on this. I mean, some people are going to read black library, no matter what it is. I know I'm that guy, but, um, I'm just hoping the Soul Blight Gravelords book's a little bit better because this one was just, it was so predictable for me, for me at least. And once again, as a guy who likes the movie Apollo 13, I don't mind predictable. I don't mind knowing how it's going to end. I just don't want to know every beat along the way. You know, I don't think I'm asking for that much. Um, uh, before we go, really quick, i uh, got to thank uh, Patreon patrons again. Uh, associate producers, Dwight Sims, Christopher Sanders, AJC, Opie and Big Jake, our executive producer, Colin Miller, and our newest patrons again, Cody McCullough, Iron Bugbear, and Nicholas Janikowski. Um, thank you guys so much for being part of the almost 1% who make this show and all we do on it possible. Andrew, thank you for being one of the associate producers, and thank you for coming on. And I didn't realize you were in Australia, so it's like 16 hours difference. So it's like, what, 4 in the afternoon by you by now or something like that? It's like... Uh, it's nearly 3 p.m. Okay, so it's... Uh, yeah, so... Oh, great googly moogly. Okay, I didn't realize that was that much of a time difference. I would have been a little more considerate on the, to figure oh, out what time to record this. I, I have a lot of time in lieu to use up, so, <laughs> and my office just uh, recently uh, per, uh, finished a um, podcasting WebEx type room. So I thought I'd give it a good test and see how it went. Nice. That's excellent. Okay, that's why you had the ID badge on. You're at work. Yep. What a great way to spend a day at work, just podcasting and screwing around. That's so wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Um, and uh, 
now that I know who likes to read so much Black Library stuff, uh, maybe uh, maybe we'll we'll do this again at some point. Happy to. Excellent. Okay, so folks, until next time, only the faithful will be triumphant. Only the faithful will stand when all others fall, and only the faithful know no despair except in failure.